Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Top shops, uh, changing rooms have gone gender neutral. We've gone mad for it, haven't we, in this country? We can't get enough of it. Soon, all over the world, there'll be gender neutral places. So I'm assuming somebody who's trans uh, or... I don't know. I mean, they're just going to make it... Anybody can go and change in there. What's the point of that? I don't quite understand that. Uh, The scared police. Uh, Some woman goes to the police. She goes, excuse me, uh, my caravan's been nicked. I know, I know, I know. Here we go. Who would nick a caravan? Anyway, she's found it on a traveller site. She sent a drone up, and there's her caravan. So she informs the police, and the police go, oh, we we, we can't do anything about it. They're basically too scared to go onto a traveller site. They said it was too dangerous to go on there. Really? What sort of laws are we operating in this country? Are there separate laws for travellers who thieve? Yes, of course there are. Of course there are. They make television programmes about it. About it. Uh, Pretty has exited, but she's still an MP. Why do we not like her? And uh, also the, uh, the son of John Prescott, suspended by Jeremy Corbyn over allegations of harassment. Even John Prescott's son. Even John Prescott's son. Nobody's immune for it. And then... And here's the odd one. In all these cases of sexual harassment and uh, people touching people's legs and people touching people's bits and making comments and all that kind of stuff, there's never any evidence. In one classic case, there is evidence because it was shown on the television. We saw it. We were watching I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here with the talentless uh, Nicola McLean. She's an ex-model, but there again, she never really was a very successful model. She was just another topless model. And uh, she featured on a programme. One of them was very funny. It was a programme where they sent people abroad to try and find houses uh, for people. And she took her mother and she took another one and talked like this. Oh, babe, all right, babe. Talks a bit like that. And so she goes there and she's going out with this footballer. And he's obviously got a million quid to spend on a house. So they make a programme because he's, he's a bit of a show off as well. And so she goes, babe, I found this great house. You're going to love it. And all the rest. So we all sat there watching it. Next thing, they split up. So that that was done and dusted. And then she kind of disappeared. She would turn up to a few things, you know, with her boobs hanging out. And because she was a glamour model. Glamour models are people who aren't tall enough to be fashion models. They're not thin enough to be fashion models. And um, they don't know how to model fashion clothes. You look at Kate Moss, you know, even with her top off, you're not going to go, she's a topless model. She's not that so. She does fashion. Nicola McLean couldn't do fashion if her life depended on it. So she's sort of blousy, cheap, tarty makeup, boob sticking out the front. So she goes on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. On the same programme is David Van Day. OK, so at one point they have a thing to do where they have to wash a car. I don't get it either. But there again, this was 2008. OK, so she strips down to a bikini. Like you do, because my next door neighbours, whenever they're washing their car, you can't keep her out of a bikini, can you? It's because she's glamour model, got to get the boobs out. And so she does it in a bikini. He's wearing a pair of shorts. They're washing the car and he smacks her on the bottom. OK, and, and he makes a comment about you've got two things I like there. This is this is barroom badinage. You know, that's why garages have got pictures of topless women up there. Not because they've got nice teeth, put it that way. It's there because they're showing their boobs and everything else. So, anyway, she then complains about it afterwards. She then goes to see the producers. And they were, like, sort of really understanding. Do I want him spoken to and the rest of it? And she said she didn't want him spoken to because she thought that would damage her career. Her career. I know, she thought it was a career. It's quite funny. But, um, and so, consequently, she sort of... She doesn't do anything about it and it gets forgotten. Not only does it get forgotten, but they show it on the television. We see it on the television. We see him playfully 
patting her, her bottom on the television. Which, in 2008, obviously, the company that make it and the television company who transmitted it thought was OK. Because otherwise, they'd have gone through it with the lawyers, as they normally do, and, uh, and gone, uh, take that bit out. We don't want to see somebody patting Nicola McLean on the arse. You know, and, uh, but they showed it. So not only did she not have any... She never mentioned it at the time. She's saying now she mentioned it to the producers, but she never mentioned it to anybody else. And God knows you can barely keep this woman's mouth shut for about two minutes. So she's always talked about just about everything. No mention of this. Only now does she talk about it. But yet we've already seen it on the television. The papers have clips of her being smacked on the bottom. We had photographs of her being smacked on the bottom. So obviously everybody thought it was okay. They must have done. Otherwise, somebody at ITV or somebody at the company that make I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here would have gone, pull that piece there. We won't, won't show that. That'll, you know, we'll just leave that on the cutting room floor. But they didn't. They, they showed it. So obviously, somebody thought it was OK. So she's kind of barking up the wrong tree. You weren't groped down under. You were patted on the bottom, which is, in your case, probably slightly patronising, I realise. But, you know, if, if nothing was done at the time and they didn't remove it, if you thought it was bad at the time, why didn't you just say, because it's all filmed in advance, why didn't you say, can you take that out of the edit? Take that out of the edit and then it won't have to be shown. But you didn't. You can't have it both ways. If you're going to complain about something, you complain at the time. You don't leave it 25 years or, you know, from 2008 up until now to mention something that we've seen on the television. Did anybody complain? I don't remember Gary Bushell going, oh, here's, here's Nicola McLean being touched on the bottom or anything like that. We didn't see any of that. That would have been the sort of badinage. They encourage that kind of thing on that show. They encourage people to get together and sort of form little relationships and little cliques and all the rest of it. You know, I mean, you wouldn't do it to Anne Whittaker, would you? I mean, really, you wouldn't do it to Anne Whittaker. No, you wouldn't. I mean, seriously, with the best will in the world. I mean, you wouldn't. You just wouldn't. But if, it, if it's a glamour... She says it's because I'm a glamour model. People thought I was fair game. No, it's the way you disport yourself, dear. That's, you know, if, if you sort of... I was. I was trying to sort of watch something the other night. Oh, I'll tell you what it was. I was watching Queen at Wembley. You know, undoubtedly their best show that they ever did uh, when Freddie was at the, the top and the height of his fame and they were interviewing people afterwards. And they interviewed Brian May and they interviewed uh, Roger and they interviewed everybody else because it was, it was basically just four of them on the stage and a keyboard player, and that was it. And they filled that stadium and they sold it out for, I think, two nights, and then they went and did shows around the country. And yet, and so you watch Freddie Mercury on stage, and what you see is an arrogant, swaggering person up there who's in full control of that crowd and who does it. If you were there, you know what it was like. If you've seen the DVD, you know what it was like. And yet you watch Freddie Mercury being interviewed. And Freddie was a very quiet sort of boy, and, and, and was sort of slight, slightly nervous with a slight sort of stammer. And, and, it's, and he, he, he was sort of, he'd, he'd be sort of talking about, about the show and people thinking that I'm, you know, this, this arrogant person, which he wasn't. He was completely opposite. What he did, he left his face in a mask by the door. And when he went on stage, he was that different person. He became that bombastic, arrogant, swaggering, you know, nobody would have ever thought he was gay. Nobody really cared about it, actually. But uh, when you watch him being interviewed, he was very softly spoken. And you'd never have known that he was, he was a rock god to all those people who went to see Queen. So I found it very interesting. And so when you see people, you know, who go on the television, they're playing a part. They go on that programme because they want the money, because they're desperate. Or they've got an ego the size of a small house 
Or, failing that, they're just deadbeat losers and they think that we're interested in their dreary little lives. We're not interested. I couldn't care less what Michelle Keegan does. Seriously, she could hang glide off Everest and I wouldn't be remotely interested. I couldn't care less what David Beckham does. You know, David Beckham could go and sit in a vat of whiskey in his pants and I wouldn't care. David Beckham's in all the papers today. Why? David Beckham took an aeroplane. Where to? Oh, my God. David, who's now grown his hair long, because he's obviously going through one of those regression kind of periods. He'll probably be buying a motor... Oh, he's got a motorbike. He'll probably buy a skateboard next or something. He flew to New York because he's worried about Brooklyn. We're all worried about Brooklyn, dear. We're worried about the fact he doesn't appear to have any discernible talent, and he's quite clearly with the other woman, where they're obviously having some sort of carnal lust Chloe Moretz because the other day they were both pictured wearing denim how dated and uh, and now they're pictured in casual outfits it's obviously his first sex isn't it oh no it isn't because he went out with somebody else before but Dave the father the one who's so desperate for the attention has flown over there to see him what for why don't you just stay at home and do some gardening you know make it so much easier so that's the that's the lie of the land this morning pretty Patel, we did predict yesterday was going was gonna to leave. In fact, I think we actually put a fiver on the fact she was going to go by yesterday. But don't worry, because she might have lost that job. But she's also still an MP. So she still picks up 70 grand. It's disgraceful, isn't it? If you're going to kick somebody out, kick them out completely. And then John Prescott's son, dropped by Corbyn. Dropped by Corbyn. John Prescott's son. I mean, dear God, I mean, you can't do it. Why? Harassment claims. Harassment claims. Mind you, you know... I didn't even know he had a son, to be honest with you. I just knew he had a fragrant wife who liked being called Lady Prescott or something. And I just thought, I thought they were a bit of a deadbeat couple. But uh, apart from that, there's been somebody else coming out in America. I think a woman who claims that her son was groped by Kevin Spacey. No mention of the son anywhere. And uh, not only was the son groped by Kevin Spacey, but he ruined his life. And and you think to yourself, it's easy to say things, you know, you need to find some sort of proof. So far, Kevin Spacey has been charged with nothing. He's in rehab, I believe, in some place in America where they go there and uh, and tell you about um, your sexual addictions. Years ago, people laughed at it, didn't they? They laughed at the fact that people liked a lot of sex. I mean, you know, I, I know people who are sort of quite sexually motivated and they like going out and sort of, you know, chatting people up in bars and, you know, if, if they pull... One in three, you know, they, they look on it as a bit of a bonus. Sometimes it's one in two. And, uh, and if you're lucky, you get sisters uh, or twins or something like that. So they tell me. But that's that's the picking up process in Nicola, Nicola McLean's case out in the jungle, which was shown on the television. Nobody obviously thought there was anything the matter with it. We all sat there and watched it. I don't remember anybody, including Gary Bushel or any of the other reviewers going, this was disgraceful. David Van Day patted the bottom. David Van Day's wife has, has said, just a bit of fun. But there again, Nicola... Nicola's a little bit, you know, she likes the publicity, she likes talking about it. Why you've left it from 2008 till now, darling, I've got no idea. I'm sure you must have your own reasons. Perhaps you were wrestling with it or something. But if it was shown on the telly, nobody thought there was anything the matter with it because it was different times. You know, different things went on years and years ago. You could put your arm around somebody at work. You know, you could put your arm around... I mean, how on earth you play party games nowadays? I've got no idea. A lot of it involves... I mean, Twister's got to be out immediately. 
In my family, we used to play Nude Twister. And uh, that was always fairly entertaining when my Aunt Enid got down to it. You know, on the uh, the mat, you know, Blue 3. Whoa, off she went, you know. But, yeah, so you can't do party games because a lot of party games involve touching. One of them is where you put an orange under your neck and then you've got to put it to the next person in the queue and they've got to take that orange from under your neck with their neck and then you pass it along. The matchbox on the nose, simple little party games you play. You can play all of these naked, should you so desire. But uh, you can't do anything like that. And also, little kids in school, you know, where you grasp the waist of the person in front of you. Can't do that anymore, can you? Can't do that. That's, that'd be seen as some sort of interfering kind of thing. You know, we used to play Kiss Chase. Well, I mean, I didn't. I used to play it by myself in a mirror. But, you know, a lot of people did did Kiss Chase at school. Hopscotch, can't do that, can you? Involves touching and sort of, you know, throwing the ball to somebody. Should, should you? Sorry? You're it. Oh, I thought, it's, I thought it's, your tits are out. <laughs> I thought, how bizarre. <laughs> oh, dear, honestly. Where would we be without a laugh, ladies and gentlemen? Right here, right here this morning. It's, yes, it's going to go a very strange place today. I've now forgotten where we were going with that. So I'll tell you what we do. To be on the safe side... To be on the safe side, and as we enter the festive season, with uh, shouts of Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of me, and uh, hark the herald angels sing. You know, I like to, I like to. If you've never heard this program before, I promise you, it's it's not like this normally. Actually, I lie. It's exactly like this normally. It is because it, listen, the whole idea about radio is I've got somebody asked me yesterday. You know, what what is it that makes makes a program successful? And I said, I've got no idea. I wish I knew. I know this one is, but I, I can't tell you what makes it successful because otherwise you'd bottle it and sell it to loads of other people. Oh, you've got two jackets on this morning. Oh, you look at you going all brave and, and sort of Amundsen of the North kind of thing. Yeah, woo, still got your cold. Oh, no, it's gone. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice Debbie Company 420. Uh, on Thursday, the 9th of November. Do you know, I seriously thought today was going to be Wednesday. I seriously thought today was going to be Wednesday. I don't know why. It was only as I was coming out of M&S the other day. Other supermarkets are available. And uh, and I thought, oh, Country Life. So I went to pick up Country Life. Bit disappointing. There's no houses in there that I fancy this week. Normally there's one house that I go for. And I pretend I won some money. Like those dinner ladies who won £25 million. And uh, they've all stopped work immediately because they've they're all of a certain age. They've ended up with about four point something uh, million, which is enough to live on. If you like where you live and you're very happy with your neighbours and all the rest of it, four and a half million pounds each. That's going to see you out for the rest of your life. Yeah, you can live, you know, you don't have to live in the lap of luxury, but you don't need to worry about bills or anything else coming in. The usual things that the rest of us kind of not. I mean, I, I don't panic over bills or anything like that now because I can afford to pay bills because I'm quite good at saving not uh, I never used to be I was absolute rubbish before I mean I, I you know I got myself into terrible debt like a lot of people like a lot of people you always say when you start working you know if I earned this much I would live really well but of course you don't because the more you earn the more you spend on items that you wouldn't normally have bought unless you had the money so I've I bought it over the year and then they gave me an American Express card big mistake that was big mistake because I just ran up the whole blooming thing because whatever you spend you pay back on the uh, the card I had I had a gold American Express card then I had a um a platinum American Express card which was lovely 
but you had to pay for the blooming thing. I mean, I went to America, nobody had ever seen one. So they had to keep phoning up. It kind of defeated the object of having a card that was, you know, sort of really good. So in the end, I gave all those up. I thought, I don't need that. I don't need to live on credit. I appreciate the fact that some people need to live on credit. I'm not one of them. I decided a long time ago that I would not, I would make sure that I paid my way. So if if I wanted to go out and buy a £1,000 coat today, I could probably do it, but I wouldn't. Because I would think that's too much money. I would have to transfer money from a, from an account because I'm, I'm, you know, saving up for my tax and all the rest of it, which you have to do in this day and age. And of course, Christmas, which is literally there's only two more paydays till Christmas. There's going to be November and then we get paid before Christmas. And then then you've got six weeks before you get paid again at the end of January. So most people uh, try and budget over the Christmas period. So, you know, that's why a lot of people do Christmas clubs. A friend of mine used to do a Christmas club with his local butcher, I told you years ago, my friend Michael. And uh, he would, every, every time he had a little bit of money, like, you know, a pound or a fiver, he'd go in there, give it to them, and they would keep it up. When he got to Christmas, I think he had something like 670 quid saved up over the year, which is, you know, which was enough for him because he, it enabled him to get uh, the turkey, sausages, steaks... Uh, tins of fruit. It was one of those butchers that sold loads of things and he could get booze and all all sorts of other things. So, in fact, Christmas was paid for. And that's what a lot of people do nowadays. They put it into Christmas clubs. You have to be careful because some years ago one of the blasted things went bust and people lost a small fortune coming up to uh, Christmas. Actually, talking of, of Christmas, it's uh, it's Christmas advert hour with James O'Brien today. Christmas adver- advert hour, which sounds a little bit like advent Hour, which could be actually translated as both. That's with uh, with James O'Brien this morning on LBC. Thank you, little bear. Thank you, little bear. Uh, yes. Anyway, um, so we've actually decided that we're going to rewrite the uh, the Paddington books. We've decided that Michael Bond would be quite pleased to do the X-rated version of Paddington meets Father Christmas. You know, <laughs> Paddington tentatively knocked on the door. Hello, says Santa. Why don't you pop in? Why don't you spend the night? It's Christmas Eve. Come with me tonight and we'll deliver presents all around the world. Paddington reluctantly climbed aboard the sleigh. Rudolph turned round. You have no idea what you're in for tonight. (laughs) Not a clue. But the good news is there is another Paddington Bear film. uh, which This one has been so successful. So successful. Everybody who's seen it, every reviewer, they've all said, if you go and see one film... Go see this one. It's got, you know, loads of good people in it and it's uh, and it's a bit of fun. So why not go? I'm a big fan of Paddington. I wonder if it'll be out before Christmas on DVD. Do you think, oh, that's too early. Is oh, no. <laughs> too early, obviously. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I don't know if you watched DIY SOS last night. Um, but like you, I cry at all the episodes. Oh, I cry at all the episodes. It's only because they're, they're doing something wonderful. They did. I turned on the telly to see... Sharon and uh, Ozzy Osbourne and various other people watching, I think they were being Google Box or something like that, and they were showing the story of a little girl. And a little girl who had a very rare form of cancer. And um, and the, the film followed her. And you could see a lot of the people were visibly affected by this little girl. And uh, she was, she'd had chemo and she'd had this. She had a huge lump on the on the top of her head, about the size of an orange. And they didn't really know what to do, and the chemo wasn't working, and she had two sisters who might have been twins, I don't know. But they were sort of showing this, and all the people going back there, and lots of them, Sharon Osbourne included, and, and various other members of the uh, of the family, 
who were on the television last night. Jeremy Corbyn was on there. People visibly affected by what this little girl was going through. And that's what they were saying. She's going through so much. And then at one point, the consultant said to her, um, you know, I think we need to try something else. And she said, what, medication or chemo? And he said, I just think we need to try something else. Because it wasn't working. And they then had to admit that what they were doing for her was having no effect at all. This thing was spreading like there was no tomorrow. You know, she could barely walk. She was in such agony. And uh, when she walked to the to the car, uh, it was it was really painful. And you could see people watching this, watching the you know watching the television program. And uh, and then the last bit was, and you knew it wasn't going to have a happy ending. I hadn't even seen the film before, but I knew it wasn't happy. And they said um, she lost her her fight for life. She was just eleven years old. And that's when you think to yourself, and one of the women summed it up, I've said it a million times, no matter how bad you think your life is, it's absolutely nothing compared to what some of these children and adults go through. People who are going through, you know, when you're a little child, you've got no idea, have you? You just know you've got pain and you don't feel very well and you can't keep food down. Like that that little 18-month-old child, that little girl who was savagely beaten by the adoptive father. And uh, and you think they they don't have any life. Their life has finished now. Their life has gone. She didn't have any choice in it. She didn't know she was being adopted by an abusive person um, who was just vile. As I say, I couldn't care less what happens to him. I really couldn't care less. You know, somebody who can do that to a little child, I think, is is possibly the worst scum of the earth and really deserves to rot in hell. But when you see a little girl who's taken at the age of 11, and some of them are even younger, through through cancer and all sorts of uh, problems, then you realise, and this woman said, she said, whatever we've got, she said, it's nothing, nothing compared to what these little children go through. And it's true. It's nothing. Somebody wrote to me the other day, they'd obviously misheard something on the programme, but then you get that quite a lot nowadays. People who sort of claim that they've just turned on the radio to hear you saying this, and you think, why do you tell lies? It's because you're stupid. You know, don't tell lies about what you think you've heard on the radio. Unless you can back it up, you should be very, very careful. Uh, Where did you go in America where they've not seen an American platinum card? Everywhere. I had one of the first ones. They hadn't seen it in America. It had been launched here. It hadn't launched in America, so that's why they'd never seen it. And uh, somebody says, uh, I'm eating peanut butter mixed with Nutella on toast. That's Robert. Uh, Well, I mean, you will be expanding quite considerably because peanut butter is just fat. And Nutella, I'm assuming, is also fairly fatty at the same time. Uh, Pretty shambolic, yes. Pretty Patel, an idiotic person of the first order. I mean, really, how these people ever make it to that uh, that state in government, I've got no idea. But anyway, and so she comes out smiling. Something arrogant about her that I don't like. Don't know what it is. I didn't vote for her, so who who cares? Uh, Also... They've got sort of the letter, uh, the letter from uh, from Pretty Patel and then the letter from the Prime Minister. And uh, perhaps she'll turn up on Dancing on Ice or something like that. That's what these people do when they're failures, don't they, really? Uh, also, uh, the hospital canteen staff, 25 million on the lottery. They're going to spend their winnings locally to boost the town. So I didn't know they were a hospital canteen staff. They've all quit. They're going to need some more people. Uh, Also, suspend BBC star over rape claims. This is uh, Ed Westwick, who's been accused. Nothing proven. Nothing proven at all. But already he's pilloried. There's a two-page spread in one of the tabloids this morning on him um, because some woman said that he raped her and he said, I don't even know who she is. What are you supposed to do? Put yourself in the same situation. I mean, I don't know. I'm erring on the side of caution. As far as I'm concerned, you're innocent until somebody has proved in a court of law that something happened. She can't prove anything. 
She's just made claims against him. Consequently, the paper's gone, right, that's it. Suspend him. I go, well, he hasn't done anything. How do you know what he's done? Are you judge and jury? But uh, at the, these film companies and the BBC, Kevin Spacey's agent has now dropped him as well. He's not been charged with anything, as far as I know. He might be guilty. He might be innocent. We don't know. So you, you kind of sort of leave it a little bit, don't you? But this, uh, this woman's gone online and she said, oh, this happened and that happened. And he's going, I don't know who she is. You know, I don't know who she is uh, and why she's saying things like this. Well, the answer is it could be anything, couldn't it? Uh, plus here... The materialistic girl is uh, Madonna. All the money that they've got, she bought shares in a Bermuda-based firm. Loads of people have done things like this. I don't, I don't really see it as actually being a huge problem, unless you've invested in landmines or something like that. If you just want to invest in another country, I couldn't care less. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning. Nice to have you company. 25 minutes to five. You mentioned you watched DIY SOS last night. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I never said that at all. When did I say that? What is it? There are a lot of people who need their ears syringing or something this morning. We had this yesterday morning, didn't we? But uh, no, but we have to start losing people left, right and centre. I didn't say I saw DIY SOS last night at all. I said I saw Gogglebox, Googlebox. I didn't say I saw DIY SOS at all, honestly. What are you, mad or something? Do I get everybody on medication? What is this, the overthrow of Darren's programme? A lot of people on medication. It says, that's on late, you need more sleep. What? Are you mad? <laughs> Where do they get these people from? Right, I'm putting you into these stupid box. Right, you've gone. Uh, 84850, did you hear Ian Dale's comment about you yesterday? We're just listening back now. We have no idea what it was. It'll be probably because he owes me money or something and he's sort of trying to get round it. And I'm saying, listen, I'm going to call the police out. You're either going to pay the money or, you know, I'm sending round the boys. The heavies are going to come round, so we shall, uh, we shall find it. Uh, Christine says, uh, I'm a 45-year-old woman. OK, are you sure? I have to ask nowadays, because sometimes people tell me they are and they might not be. And uh, I'm new to your radio station. Don't worry, we've only just opened up. Uh, we're here Monday through Sunday. You can pop in any time you like in the morning. If you wake up and you're sort of thinking, oh, I'm really tired, I'm really tired, turn on the radio and I promise you the tiredness will vanish completely until at least the end of the programme. Fancy a piece of Columbo? Sadly, uh, Peter Falk died a while ago, uh, but they're putting up for sale his Macintosh. And it's worth around £90,000. He wore it between 1971 and 2003. He obviously didn't change in sight at all, did he? And uh, so 90000 I think it'll go for more, don't you? It's, it's an iconic piece of, piece of Hollywood memorabilia. And to actually get Peter Falk's raincoat, uh, which was shabby in the early... I wonder if they ever cleaned it or if they just sort of left it, because the older it looked, the better it, it would be. But ninety grand is the price. Paddington back for the final adventure. Really excellent, really excellent. If you've not seen the film, go see it. I've not seen it yet, but, you know, it's got Hugh, Hugh Bonneville in it. It's got uh, loads of Hugh Grants in it. It's got some really good people, and it's a good story. So go see, go see. Uh, another one says here, um, oh, somebody else who's a big fan of peanut butter. I told you yesterday there was a new place that's opening up, which is doing uh, peanut butter. Peanut butter dips, peanut butter this, and it's a fiver, and you can eat as much of it as you want. How much of it you're able to eat, I've got no idea. Uh, a lot of pictures of David Beckham. Uh, David Beckham, did you hear the other day, David? We had to laugh. I, had to, I wasn't sure if he was being serious or just ironic, where David Beckham uh, said, We have a lot of heated discussions in our house. Um, with friends about the political climate that we're in, and they get very strong. David Beckham talks politics. You can only imagine, can't you? So I like, I like 
politics. Okay, Dave, what, what sort of politics do you like? Um, I like Margaret Thatcher. She was nice. She, yeah, she, she, she's dead. Is she? Nobody tells me anything. And so the idea that Dave talks politics, I, I thought was mildly hilarious. Anyway, Dave's growing his hair at the moment. I suppose if you're losing it on top, you might as well kind of grow it down the side. It'll be a comb over shortly. But he's jetted off to go and save Brooklyn. Ta-da! Like Superman. That's how boring his life is. He's had to go over there to save... We've got no idea why. Nobody's ever sure anything they do in the Beckham family, but they are the family that stays together and sings together and loves together. So no doubt Christmas must be a marvellous place, mustn't it, really? I would think. Uh, also, they've got uh, a Dragon's Den live fueling a beauty con. I'll tell you about this one. Don't ever... If anybody ever says to you, I'll send you a free sample of something, just give us your credit card. Don't ever give your credit card. OK, that's my hard and fast advice. And, um, and uh, you definitely said DIY as well. No, I didn't. What? Somebody else was watching it. Open your ears, defo. It's the last time you'll get through to this programme because I'm now putting you... Uh, into the remove completely box. There you go, goodbye. Right, solve that problem. Why are people so stupid? Listen properly. I can't help it. Can't help it. Oh, uh, Santa Claus had a crack pipe in his car. It's in the paper today. Not in this country. In another country. Yes, apparently over in, uh, over in America. Uh, this is a bad Santa. He did voluntary work for Toys for Tots in Bergen County, New Jersey. But he's... Uh, he's uh, I don't want him back there again because he had a crack pipe in the car. But uh, he did look like Santa Claus, as indeed all of these uh, people do. Because that's what they're, they're employed by, aren't they? They go and sit in, the, sit in the shops. You'll find them all over the place. They're all over the place. They're in, in fact, around our area, we've probably got about four or five. Four or five people. We've got, uh, we've got them in garden centres... We've got some who look like Santa Claus. We've got some who don't look like Santa Claus. The best ones are supposed to be, I think, Selfridges and Harrods. Because they get, you know, the pick of the Santas. You know, who's paying the biggest bucks? Probably those two shops, I would imagine. And people queue up there. It was a big thing to do when you were a kid. You get to a sort of certain age, you don't bother doing things like that again. Uh, Then there's a woman here who worked at uh, Westminster. I think she was a bars manager. And, uh, oh no, just bar girl. Tells of sex pest hell at Commons. Apparently, MP sank 12 pints, followed me home and groped me on the bus. And um, she claims 30 MPs tried to get her into bed. But they've just all gone mad. Has the entire world gone barking mad now? So they've got her sort of story here. And then she was told to wear an outfit behind the bar because it's obviously a Christmassy type outfit. And uh, the bars at the House of Commons are very popular. And there's all sorts of people down there. Whether I believe her, I don't know. But I'm looking at sort of, uh, looking at sort of pictures in some of the outfits that she's worn. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. They say you could go... She says, we would go through five bottles of Jägermeister and there would be all kinds of snogging and cuddling in the corridors. God knows what went on in the, uh, in the other place that she's mentioned in her, uh, in her interview. I suppose it's, it's her sort of moment, isn't it? Because until all these things have got to be investigated and it could take forever and ever and ever. Uh, also, 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 here's uh, Eddie Redmayne. His career is hot stuff, but it's really steamy when he filmed a romp ages and ages ago because Eddie Redmayne, I think he took his clothes off in another thing. He's, he's one of these actors who he was going up, 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 and then it stopped. And I was the one saying, listen, you know, don't keep giving him all this publicity. He's an actor. He wants this to be a, a career. And um, unfortunately for actors nowadays, they have to take their clothes off. Whether or not we're now going to be getting actors coming out saying, uh, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> 
thank you. Uh, whether they're going to say I was made to take my clothes off, I don't know. Because they, they do, do... I've seen it done as sketches, I've told you. Cause there's a comedy sketch uh, where this, this happens. The actress, you know, said, they said, oh, you're going to be playing uh, whoever it is and it involves you taking your clothes off. So all the actors stand around and then she takes her clothes off and then the, the end credit is, a week later, she got the part. You know, and it's a case of that's, that's what it's always been. I don't know why I would think it was anywhere differently. Uh, Steve Paddington is not the same without his red welly boots, but he'd fall over, wouldn't he? He'd, he'd fall over, Jackie, I'm afraid. But um, he, um, in the second one, he's, he's looking after Aunt Lucy. He's getting a present for Aunt Lucy. Uh, so, oh, right. So here's what happened on Ian Dale's programme yesterday. Andy in Romford phoned in to talk about funding the NHS. So we've taken out some of his points just to speed it up a little bit, OK? NHS and waste are synonymous. I was listening to LBC this morning to your guy, Steve. I can't think of his last name, but... Steve Allen. I was speaking about... Sorry, Steve Allen. And he was saying about some of the trusts, the amount of money they're spending on uh, supplies like compound bandages compared to other trusts, because the heads of the trust aren't playing hardball with the suppliers. We've also got the situation of agencies supplying their spending and not just keep giving money away willy-nilly. Well, I think you make a very interesting point. Um, I, I can't quite imagine that Steve Allen was talking about NHS Trust, but you never know. Um, it might be something to do with Peter Andre's bandages or something like that. No, uh, there was a guy on, on there this with him who was actually speaking about that it... it it definitely wasn't Steve Allen. It was probably Nick Ferrari, I, I would imagine, Andy. But I think you make... You or he make really good points. It was definitely not Steve Allen with somebody on there talking about that. That wouldn't have been possible. And that was, um, was that Eamon in Romford or Ruth in Romford? I can never remember. It's all so easy to forget people's names. And uh, no, definitely not. I did talk about the NHS, but I never talk about NHS funding. That's not the sort of thing I would ever talk about on this programme. Unless Kerry Coke Toner had been in there recently. I did talk about bandages and I did talk about, um, you know, them giving me loads of stuff and bandages I went and bought myself and Manuka honey, which I got from them and stuff like that. And I did think there's, there's obviously, a, you know, a lot of money that is spent. But if you're burnt... If you burn yourself, then you do need things. I'm not one of these people. I've always complained about the people who go to any and go, I've got a cold. And you go, oh, get out, you time waster. Go over to the road, to the, to the chemist. Go and buy the stuff in the chemist. I thought, oh, don't you give it to me for free? No, of course not. Go and buy it in the chemist, stupid bit. I'd be standing on the door there. What's the matter with you? I've just stubbed my toe. Go home. Go home. We're not doing anything for you. You're wasting nurses' time. And that's why the nurse, they, they're always very good about it. But I always support them 150%. But uh, I have had stuff before. I've said, no, I don't need anything more. In fact, tomorrow, I'm actually taking some bandages back, which are still sealed. They gave me them to put on, but now I've got uh, plasters, which, uh, which they've given me as well. So I, I put these special plasters on, and so I don't need all the bandaging. So I'm, I'm taking that back, because I'm a good person. I don't want to waste money on the NHS, thank you. Uh, Marilyn says they should have no alcohol in the House of Commons. That'll stop all the nonsense. Um, I don't know. Isn't it wonderful that the House of Commons and Lords have 24-hour bars? They don't have 24-hour bars. They're not 24-hour bars. No, but you can... They are open and cheap, but they're not 24 hours. Absolutely not. Absolutely. What would be the point of it? Nobody's there at night. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Um, if uh, one here says, these women get on my wick. If a bloke comes on to you, you just tell him to take a hike or off. Yeah, exactly. Kick him in the small spherical objects. Always works. And uh, another one here... Uh, it says, you mentioned peanut butter. 
I did mention peanut butter, actually. I, I, I'm a big fan of peanut butter, but I don't have it very often. It says, made from 100% peanuts with the oil taken out and a fraction of the fat. That's powdered peanut butter. Powdered peanut? What was the point of that? I've never heard of such a thing. What a pile of old rubbish. Powdered peanut butter. The producer will check it out instantly and discover it's a load of old rubbish. Pow- what, what would you add to it, dear? Whiskey? Something like that. And uh, my boss has granted me an unexpected five-day holiday, says Jane. There you go. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? That means they can actually do without you. Here we go. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Powdered peanut butter. Powdered peanut butter. Blimey. What is it? So, it's, so what, do you do, what do you add to it? Do you add something to it? I don't know. Mix two tablespoons of peanut butter, two, with uh, a tablespoon and stir until smooth. Prepare as needed. Heavens above. Can't be British, can it? It's not a British thing. I love the way it, it, may, it may contain peanut proteins. So it's got roasted peanut, sugar and salt. Oh dear, not so good, is it? Consult with your physician, must be American, before you actually take it. So in other words, somebody's obviously going to say to you, uh, I wouldn't take that, but I'm diabetic. I love the idea. I love the idea of taking powdered peanut butter. Thank you very much indeed. The stuff you can get in America, it's, it's, you can have an absolute field day just, just going to chemists over there. I mean, chemists over there are just absolutely amazing. Oh, by the way, I ordered something from Amazon uh, via a company called Barrots, And um, it should have been delivered on the 17th. It's not been. And so I wrote a letter to them this morning saying, basically, don't give me any old uh, old flim-flam about we couldn't deliver it. This is a 24-hour building with the largest radio group in the country. There is always somebody on reception because we're broadcasting 24 hours a day. And uh, so I've written back to them saying, look, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We don't. So there's no excuse for this not being delivered unless you've got a dodgy driver, which, of course, uh, there might be. Because they say it should have been delivered by now. Well, it's not been. It's not been. It's now two days over when it should have been delivered. It's not complicated, is it? But uh, you have to write and complain. So I'll let you know how we get on. Because Amazon has just sent me a copy of it saying this is the email that you've sent to this uh, particular company. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. Um, it says, thank you for making my mornings fun. Um, um, somebody says, Beckham is thick. You can't even sing the words of the national anthem. Well, actually, he's, he's not alone. There are loads of people who cannot sing the words of the national anthem. They get as far as thy choicest gifts in store, and then they give up on it. Most people do not know the words of the national anthem. You know, God save our gracious queen, long live the queen, God save the queen. Send her victorious, happy and glorious, long to reign over us, God save the queen. And then where'd you go? Nothing. La, 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 la. I shouldn't imagine anybody in the Beckham family knows the words to the second verse. Uh, least of all, Dave. Least of all, Dave. Uh, uh, another one here says, uh, don't bother taking back the bandages and plasters because they're obliged to throw them away, even if they're sealed, says Paul. Oh, well, strangely enough, I've taken stuff back before. I've taken stuff back before. As long as it's sealed, it's fine. Uh, I know there are certain things you can't take back, uh, like, you know, can't take insulin back or something like that, because, you know, you might have done something to it. But no, I mean, I'm I'm sort of very happy with sort of taking things back. They've actually accepted before. So I don't have any problem with that at all. Uh, Margaret says the Steve Allen mould was thrown away after you were born. God, you think there was a mould? That's slightly disturbing, isn't it? There wasn't. Um, and if there was, it would be a very big mould. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Oh, dear, honestly, where would we be, ladies and gentlemen, without 
without darling listeners. Answer nowhere, I suppose. Being Thursday the 9th of November, uh, a lot of people saying uh, cream teas. Which camp are you in? Devon or Cornwall? Says Scott the cabbie. Devon or Cornwall? Uh, oh, I don't know. Devon? Well, they do Devon cream teas and they do... Well, I've never been to either place for cream tea. When I went there, it was on holiday. We went to Mevagissi, but we didn't have cream teas. So if I have cream teas now, I don't know. What is the difference? So what, what's a Cornish or a Devon cream tea? I mean, as far as I remember, I think a cream tea from the southwest consists of, of little more than freshly baked scones, fruity jam, clotted cream and a pot of freshly made tea. That's it. That, that, but, you know, between Cornish and Devon, you can you can see the differences. In a Devon tea, it's cream on the scone, then jam. In Cornwall, it's jam followed by the cream. And I have to be honest, I'm I'm jam followed by the cream. That it would have to be jam followed by the cream. So I'm I'm Cornwall. Are you Devon? Well you do cream and then you do the jam on top. Really? That's a bit bizarre, isn't it? Don't you find that when you, you put the cream on, which is great, and then you put the, the jam on, it goes all over the place. Right. And does it have to be a plain scone or a fruit scone? Plain scone, okay. Because I I went is is it scone or scone? And should it be on a plate or should it be on a tray? Because when I went with uh, Paul Smith, the newsreader, we went and had a cream tea at a garden centre up the road from Squires. And they give you the little pot of jam. Nobody does blackcurrant jam. Why don't they do blackcurrant jam? I don't want strawberry or raspberry. I want blackcurrant. Uh, but they don't have blackcurrant. I might have to take my own then. And, um, and they give you a little thing of cream, which is, I want a big pot of dunking cream. I want thick cream. I quite like cream. I don't have it very often, but I quite like it. Because somebody asked me, you know, if I if I had sort of honey roast nuts, those honey roasted nuts. I have had, I'm a diabetic. I can eat anything I like. I just can't have it in any sort of huge quantities. So I have little bits of it. I quite like them, but not anymore. Cashews I like. But again, all of those things are really bad for you. They're just full of, full of fatty oils, so I don't bother. So now we've established the cream tea bit. Perhaps we should have a cream tea here one morning, actually. I quite fancy the idea of a cream tea. Because I'm working Christmas Day. Well, as far as I know, I'm working Christmas Day, so I'm going to bring. I'm not, I'm not bringing in cream tea. That would be because they're all messy out there. I'm not going to have people. And also, they'll blame me if they put weight on over Christmas. So it'll be smoked salmon nibbles and stuff like that, which would be quite exciting. I think you can eat that for for breakfast, can't you? Smoked salmon with sort of, can't you? Yes, of course you can. It's lovely. Uh, somebody else says uh, Emma says that the hospital said they couldn't accept bandages as they'd left the hospital, even though they were sealed. Uh, yes, because somebody might inject something, I suppose, into them. But as I say, I've taken stuff back before to hospitals. Uh, somebody says, you keep me motivated between uh, between four and six, as I then reach the end of my night shift as a telephone counsellor. What does that mean? What's a telephone counsellor? A telephone counsellor. I love listening. Oh, right, OK. Samaritans kind of thing. Says, I love listening to your bitchy comments on newspaper articles between calls, says Sue. Bitchy comments? What are you talking about? I'm dealing in fact. Not bitchy comments. Bitchy comment would be Sue in, in Shropshire as a lardy. You know, that would be a bitchy comment. Sue's hair's falling out kind of thing, you know. Oh, incidentally, actually talking of hair falling out, Sue, you'll like this bit. This is sort of semi-bitchy. You know the girl who was smuggling the tablets into Egypt? The tramadol. Anyway, her... Uh, Laura Plummer. Well, I said producer remembers her name, Laura Plummer. I just remembered her as the drug smuggler. Anyway, uh, she's uh, she's in prison. Apparently her hair's falling out, so she's unrecognisable. So that's a good start. And her lawyer has now said that even if she's found innocent, they might still keep her in prison. 
It's a very odd system they operate over there. They're, they're determined to teach people, you know, about the laws of a country. In certain country... Do you remember that woman who was going to be executed years ago? The grandmother. Whatever happened to her? We were waiting for that execution for ages. That one never seemed to happen, did it? They were going, oh, it's going to happen this weekend. And then they take them to an island and they execute. Well, perhaps it's happened and I've missed it. But I don't think... I don't think it has. I think she's still very much alive. But they do make an example of people who smuggle drugs in. Uh, she said she was doing it because she was threatened and she had to, to do it. Because they always ask you, don't they? Did you, did you pack your own suitcase? And they go, yeah. And you open it up and there's half a ton of cigarettes in there. So the, the grandmother, I think, is still very much alive. She was a very old woman. And she'd been interviewed on the television and the family had been interviewed as well. We've had the family on the television for Laura Plummer the drug smuggling of the Tramadol. Grandmother is still... I thought she was. I'd have, I'd have read about her execution. I mean, she was sentenced to death years ago. I mean, it must have been... I'd like to calculate 2007? Certainly a long time ago. 2012, was it? Oh, right. So it's five years and she's still on death row. Good Lord above. But there are certain countries... She's 61. She's ageing very badly in prison. But it's, it's a case of they have big signs up. If you import drugs into their country, they will have you for it. You know, you can't just stand there and go, well, I didn't know they were in there. You know, somebody asked me to just carry this bag in. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Uh, another one here it says, uh, I was a pharmacy assistant for seven years. They may well accept any medication back, whether it's a sealed box or a split box or sealed package bandages, dressings. They have to throw them away because uh, they're, they're not sure whether they've been tampered with. Well, I mean, mine wouldn't be. Mine are perfect. Mine, are, I sign all mine as well. Best wishes, Steve Allen. You know, have a Steve Allen bandage on me. Always works quite well. Uh, so Emma's told us that was Dave. Dave is a private hire driver in Hastings. Hastings? Good God, honestly. We haven't had anybody from Hastings write to this programme for years. I used to work down in Hastings on the odd occasion at a ballroom on the front where the Beatles played and the Stones and everything else. And it was a Vast, empty dance hall with just me at the end and some foreign students in there. It was pitifully awful. I did it for about four weeks and then I decided that um, there, was, there was no way I was going to be driving to Hastings anymore. It was people just sitting in bus shelters waiting to die. So I decided it, it was not my sort of place at all. Uh, another one here. Apparently, uh, apparently it's not just Parliament. Sheep farms have 24-hour bars... I mean, seriously, what are, I mean, are these the failed people from the from the Britain's Got No Talent Anymore programme? Why do I get them? Why is it me? Why is it me? I always have to sit here and they go, oh, you've had another one of those very funny, not so funny jokes in. And I look at it and I think, why do people send them to me? Seriously, I can do it myself. Thank you. You can now visit coming up to the news at five o'clock. The first and I haven't found this before, the blood-soaked Roman temple in London. It's under the Bloomberg office, but don't expect anything too exciting. It's just some stones underneath there. You have to use your imagination. It's like the Roman amphitheatre under the Guildhall. You think you're going to be seeing half an amphitheatre. You're not. You're just going to see some, uh, some stones. Uh, the union boss who rides a dangerous train for some reason and doesn't see the irony in it. The tears of a clown, Roy Hudd, devastated as he's forced to pull out of yet another production. Roy is over 80, but he's one of the most interesting people you'll ever talk to. And uh, the top chef, Antonio Carluccio, dies. He was the man who mentored Jamie Oliver. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 
morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday, the 9th of November. A friend of mine wrote to me and he said, flim flam. You don't hear it very often now, flim flam. I used to think it was a, an expression used for the, for the flim flam men. People who would, <laughs> who would flim flam you, I was about. I don't know, I just thought it was a con artist. That's what I always thought it was, flim flamming you. Is, is con- I might be wrong. This friend of mine is, is much more intelligent than I am. He knows about these things. And uh, he, he would probably know. I think he quite, I think he quite likes a flim. Uh, Phil Vickery says, uh, Tip Tree do the best blackcurrant jam. I just, I just don't know why they don't give it to you. And you know those little, little pots, Phil? That whenever you go out somewhere, because it saves other people's knives dipping in. And there's, a, there's an advert on the television, somebody doing a dipping of a little thing in a dipping sauce. And then, so you take a bite and then they put it back in. And like, what are you doing? You never, you never do that twice, do you? I think if you're dipping sauce, you just do it the once. But anyway, this person does it twice. And they do these little jams. I can't remember which company it's from. I don't think it's Tip Tree. But blackcurrant jam would go very well on scones. In fact, now everybody's going down there. Because, in fact, Sarah says, I'm going to Devon for the weekend as the husband's taking me away for our anniversary. No, Sarah, he's taking you to leave you there. OK, he's going to take you down there. Actually, I did that once. <laughs> much to my deep embarrassment, um, I went down uh, some years ago, and it was always Brighton for some reason. I don't know why, but anyway, I went down with a couple of people and I had a row. This was like 25 years ago, 30 years ago. And I got so angry about the row. I'd gone down in my car. I'd taken them down and, um, and they had their, their cases in the back of the car. So I remember pulling up alongside the pub, opening the door, throwing their cases out and driving off. <laughs> and then thinking, how far back could I go before I turn back and collect them? London. London. <laughs> I didn't bother going back. And uh, they ended up sitting apparently on Brighton Railway Station for most of the night. It always makes me laugh when I think about it now, because we still talk to each other <laughs> occasionally. Uh, little Julie says, I don't mind which way the jam and the cream goes on. It all gets eaten the same way. Yeah. But don't you think we should start a movement to just go black currant jam? I don't want jelly. It's got to be blackcurrant jam and tip tree is about it. See, I'm not sure if, if I had a jar of tip tree jelly, I don't think I'd, it, it, it would last a year with me because I don't have jam very often. I would like it on a scone. I mean, I've never had scones and cream at home. I've never had that at all. Flim flam, one for Mr. O'Brien, says a friend of mine. That's a point. We, we, we could put that to him today, couldn't we? Flim flam. Because he, he, he's doing Christmas Advent hour today. It's very popular, very popular. In the media world, flim flam. I don't know where I've heard it before. I think I tell you where it. I think it comes from. I think it comes from the film Paper Moon, and oh crap! Just dropped my phone. It's the first time I've ever dropped my phone. Did you hear it? I thought it was going to crack. Luckily, it didn't because it's not one of the new ones. Mine, mine comes with a wind up next to it, um, and I think it came from the film Paper Moon, which had uh, Tatum O'Neill and Ryan O'Neill as going around the countryside ripping off widows. And the, f- and, the, and the scam, or the flam, uh, was this. They would go out, they had a, a, a load of Bibles in the boot of the car, and they would go through, they'd move into a town, like Twickenham, they'd pick up the local paper, go through the, uh, the death column, and they'd pick somebody, uh, say, Wilbur. Wilbur died. And so they would put, and they would find, you know, much beloved husband of Ethel. So they would write, to my darling Ethel from Wilbur, in this book. They would have it printed in there. And they would then turn up at the house and they'd go, oh, is, is Wilbur in? And the woman would go, I'm so sorry, he's, he's passed on. And they go, oh, well, he ordered a Bible. Oh, did he? Yeah, uh, for his, um, for Ethel. 
oh, that's me. And so they'd go, oh, he ordered the deluxe edition. And so she would buy it from them for sort of like $10. And all they were doing was just, just reading the, uh, the column in the, in the newspaper. And it was, it was a little trick that worked quite well, you know, because nobody wanted to sort of turn something down. You know, if that's what he sort of... He, he obviously really liked you very much because he bought the deluxe edition. And they were so good at selling it. And Tatum O'Neill was playing the little girl who did the whole bit in the same way that they would go into a shop and she would uh, write on a note... Um, I forget how they, they did. Anyway, whatever she did, she wrote on this particular note, happy birthday to Etty. And her father would go in there with a $20 note, buy something, do it face down. So the happy birthday Etty was underneath and they would put it in the till. And uh, and then uh, he would get the change. He'd, he'd spend a dollar. They'd get $19 change. The little girl would then go in with a dollar and she'd give it to the woman buying some sweeties and the woman would give her change for the dollar. And the little girl, Etty, would go, I gave you a 20. And the woman behind the till would say, no, dear, you gave me a dollar. She'd, I gave you a 20 because it was given to me for my birthday. And it says, happy birthday, Etty, on it. And so, of course, the owner of the shop came over, went through a till. There's the 20 with happy birthday, Etty. So they, they pay her out the money. He says he rep- reprimands the woman. I mean, really clever, very clever scam. So that's where I thought Flim Flam came from. I always imagine that the Flim Flam man was somebody who went around hoodwinking people. We have them now. We just call them crooks. We throw them in prison. Uh, the jam is Wilkin, says Richard the Milko. Is it? No, it's at these, no, these little, little tiny pots. The little tiny pots. Um... Phil thinks they're, they're tip tree. It's very pretty writing on it. it. I don't think it says tip tree. I'm pretty certain it's not, it's not tip tree. I mean, uh, you know, they're little pots. That's it, that little... Oh, it is tip tree. God, honestly, I'm giving up slowly but surely today. Oh, that, and that's right, it is. It's Wilkin and Sons Tip Tree Strawberry Conserve. How posh are we on this programme? But uh, how much is it for a little, little pot of blackcurrant? I don't want to spend a lot. Two... Yeah, it's got to be blackcurrant. Now, now I've got it in my mind. Blackcurrants are really because I quite like Ribena as well, and that's made with blackcurrants. Tip Tree Blackcurrant Conserve, two pound nineteen for three hundred and forty grams. Is that a jar? Is that a big jar? Is it? I don't want that much. I want a little tiny thing. I might have to wander around Waitrose or something trying to find the little jar. They probably get them in a, in a gift thing. How lovely! But I mean, what am I going to do? Buy buy cream and everything else, or am I just going to have? Because I haven't had a jam sandwich since I was seven. Seriously, nobody has jam. When you're little, you have jam sandwiches or you have my favourite. You know what my favourite was? Lemon curd. Lemon curd, honestly. I used to have, my mother used to make lemon meringue pie. Nobody makes lemon meringue pie now. I'm not even sure you can buy the blooming thing. But, uh, yeah, lemon curd sandwiches. How easily pleased we were. How, how different our lives were when we didn't have very much. When you, when you can have everything, it kind of takes away the magic, doesn't it? I can remember buying my first new car and not being as excited as I thought I should be. I thought I should be really, really excited about buying a new car, and it was a Mini. But I was never excited by it. I don't get excited buying cars now. A friend of mine buys lots of lovely cars because he's a petrol head, so he likes cars, and, and probably gets immense excitement out of them. I wouldn't want to put my hands in an engine or touch anything. I'm just, I mean, you know me, I'm accident-prone anyway probably lose my hand or something ridiculous. There'd be something whizzing around at the front of the car, so I'll try and avoid stuff like that. Uh, you're right about blackcurrant jam, says Jerry from Bangor, County Down. He says, I've got some bushes in my garden. 
He says, I'm in London next week. I'll leave a pot for you at your 24-hour reception, if that's OK, for your Christmas morning scones. But is it scones or is it scones? See, I think they should do a little lemon curd thing as well. We used to love lemon curd. There was something nice about lemon curd. It was tangy. And we just had it on, on you know, sandwich. Nicer in the fridge. All oh, right. But it's also, we used to have Marmite sandwiches. Marmite. Crab sandwiches. You ever have crab spread? The smell of it now makes me want to be ill. But at the time, we used to think it was quite the height of luxury. Shippums. A little tiny pot. I used to look at the size of crabs. And then think, how do they get it into that little pot like that? And you'd spread it very thinly. And we'd go on little, little sort of, oh, delicious. I said the other day, and I thought, because Phil Vickery was doing something the other day, and I can't remember what it was he was cooking. And I remember thinking, he needs to do corned beef hash, you know. There's an art to doing corned beef hash, and it's quite delicious. And also, my mum used to make something. I can't remember what it was. But it used to be, she would use stuff up, like potato, and then fry it off in the pan. It would be potato and vegetables. Was that Bubble and Squeak? Why was it called Bubble and Squeak? Another one for James O'Brien. That's two questions we've got for him today. My God, he's going to hate me. He's going to hate me. He's going to go, that's Steve Allen. I wish he'd stop doing these things. Perhaps I should do it at my my one-night stand. Uh, It's a theatre show at the... um, I don't know what I'm talking about this morning, honestly. Seriously, I've lost the will to live. Sometimes, you know, you just get carried away. It's like Simon Conway's not talking to me now. He's not talk- He's not said a word to me for like a week. I mean, I'm going into deep, deep depression. Ever since I called him Simon Cowell on the programme. <laughs> totally, totally out of context. But apparently now he reminds me it's four times. I'm really depressed about the whole thing. So, just made another faux pas. Can't help it this morning. Uh, Steve, uh, I'm eating Dalfour. Oh, St. Dalfour. They do mini jars. We're not sure as a flavour, says Jen. Oh, Baxter's, blackcurrant jam. Close to Walker's. Just think what a successful trip to Scotland that'd be. Visit Walker's, stock up with mince pies and shortbread, and then down to Baxter's. I'll take you, says Brian. Oh, You're not eating one of my mince pies. I hope you're really not eating that mince pie. They were for poor people. I was going to go and give those to some homeless people. And you've just eaten their breakfast. Well done, you. <laughs> no, exactly. They were, there's no booze in those ones. There's only booze in the Walkers ones. That's the only mince pies that I've ever discovered. I've got Glenfiddich whiskey in. Isn't it funny? That's the only thing that I've never got to drink. I don't... I've, I've you know, I've, I've obviously had whiskey before, but I can't drink it. And people say, oh, we dram of whiskey. And I think it looks lovely, but it just doesn't interest me in the slightest. I don't... Whiskey, but it's got to be proper water, isn't it? It's got to be water from the Liffey or something. Or is that Irish whiskey? I don't know. But uh, it, it, it has to be... You can't just put tap water in, can you? From Scotland, you can. You've had the water piped into the houses now. Unbelievable, Mrs Madrigal. I can't believe it. Goodness sake, you pretend we've got shag pile carpet up there as well. <laughs> I remember when we came back from Hong Kong, turning on the tap and drinking out of the tap, which we'd not been doing for two years. We had to boil everything. You couldn't drink out of the tap. It's like when you go to India, don't have ice, because it, it, it's made from dirty water, and you're making yourself very, very ill. Uh, somebody else says, uh, we used to go to the Jackdaw pub in Denton, near Folkestone, featured in the film Battle of Britain for afternoon tea, and they had blackcurrant jam in little pots. Oh... Costa Coffee give you a free mini pot of tip tree jam. Philadelphia cheese with jam on toast, says Marilyn. And somebody says, good news, if you eat uncooked or roasted only nuts, unsalted, the fat is usually quite good for you. You also get uh, uh, lots of vitamins, says Stephen in Montpellier. Uh, nuts have loads of protein. Uh, to- yes, I mean, you know, I think as diabetics, we are told not, not really peanuts or anything else like that. In fact, if you put peanuts in your hand, you can see the oil on your hand. 
You shouldn't shouldn't really have it if you're diabetic. If you're, if you're not diabetic, eat as much as you like. It's much better. Madison's pate. Great on bread. Oh, I love pate. But again, really bad for diabetics. Really bad for diabetics. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. A friend of mine says, how would Phil cook a simple steak? How would you cook a simple steak? See, I think you just... <laughs> for me in my kitchen... You know, my, my kitchen implement is scissors. I cut everything up. Steak, spaghetti, everything. A friend of mine went, oh, like a baby. And I go, yeah, because I don't want to drip it down me. But uh, a simple steak, I don't know. How would you cook a simple steak, Phil? What would it be done with? Just just a steak, you know, obviously a nice steak. Fillet, piece of rump, something like that. But also, a friend of mine has sent me a picture of a boat. And it's lovely. It's George Formby's old boat for sale. Ooh, it's a 39-foot boat. Uh, it's in boatshowrooms.com. And I don't know how much it would cost. I have no idea. They always say there's two good things about the boat. When you buy it and when you sell it, much easier. And uh, this, oh, it's £95,000. It does look lovely, doesn't it? George Formby. When I'm cleaning windows to earn an honest bob. For a nosy parker, it's an interesting job. <laughs> it's a job that just suits me. A window cleaner, I will be. So there you go. The name is Carol Ann. They say it was built in 1958, originally built for George Formby and named Lady Beryl II after his wife. It's been in its present ownership for 23 years and has been cared for. It's beautiful, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. It's located in London and it's now called the Carol Ann. Somebody's going to get a bargain. Somebody's going to get a bargain. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? I'd love a nice boat like that. It's obviously got to the Carol... I'd, I'd call it the Lady Beryl. I'd have to, I'd have to send it back again. £95,000 tax paid. And uh, it's a 39-footer. Thank you, friend. That's, that's lovely, isn't it? See, I like things like that. You know when, you know, George Formby died, they sold everything. They sold everything in his house. Everything went. It all got sold. And uh, he's, he's got his statue up there. And still the George Formby Appreciation Society are out there and uh, still, still playing it large. I'd love to do it. Uh, Steve, your mum's fry-up is called Bubble and Squeak. Thank you. Shippham's paste used to be made in Chichester. The whole site smelt of that, I can imagine. And uh, I read with interest your opinion in this week's Romford Recorder. It's not me, dear. OK, it's not me. That's Steve N, initial N, Allen. OK, so uh, I don't, uh, I don't really, you know, that, that's not me. Why, why would I be in the Romford Recorder? For good, I've played the theatre over there, but I, that's, that's the other one, Popsy. Sorry about that, Pam. Not me. Not me at all. You get a lot of imitators in this business. It's ridiculous. Honestly, I turn on other people's radio programmes and there they are. And I, think, I did that. I did that, firstly. Uh, Tip Tree Village off the A12. We're next in Essex. They sell mini jars of blackcurrant jam for 40p, says Gay and Ealing. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that idea. That sounds quite good, isn't it? And uh, Ricky says, when you fry bubble and squeak, it bubbles and makes a squeaking noise. Is that why it's called bubble and squeak? Is it that simple? It's called bubble and squeak. But I, I like the idea of going to get little tiny jars of the Tip Tree shop in Tip Tree Village off the A12. I like the sound of that. You could just you could make up little gifts for people for Christmas, couldn't you? I did that last year, you know, when I went into Waitrose and they said, would you like to buy a gift for somebody elderly? And uh, you go round and you buy things that elderly people would use, like chocolate biscuits or tea bags or coffee or something like that. Something, you know, and then they make up gift boxes and take them round to people for Christmas. Because I quite like that. 
Um, Steve, um, apparently they've stopped making sugar-free jam. Oh, I never care about things like that. I seriously, I, I never care about sugar-free jam. I, I don't worry. There was somebody the other day in one of the uh, papers, they were talking to somebody who's a diabetic, and they said, oh, I, I really wish they would bring back diabetic products. No, you absolutely don't. The reason they stopped selling them is you don't need to eat diabetic products. You don't need diabetic Christmas cake or diabetic sweets. You can have anything you like, just have it in, in moderation. And that's why the, the, the market dropped out. It was terribly expensive, and, uh, and it just didn't make any difference at all. Uh, Dennis says, uh, oh, that's right, damson jam. Dennis can bring me some damson jam. He said, I'm heading over on Tuesday. He said, mind you, you'd have to poke the stones out yourself. I usually suck the jam off them and pop them on the side of the plate. Wouldn't be a problem for you, would it? <laughs> Perhaps, uh, you know, if you don't like it, maybe Aussie Boy would appreciate Oh, he doesn't appreciate anything. He doesn't even do pork pies. He doesn't even know. I mean, we, we actually tried him on a pork pie and he looked at it like I was trying to feed him something that was so horrendous. That, uh, you know, it was going to uh, going to kill him. Uh, Lisa in Gothenburg says, I too like the little pots of jam, especially black currant and raspberry. Uh, it's Wilkins, you're right, it's Tiptree who make the, the little things. It's very cute, though, isn't it? Because that's just enough for one person. I said before, when Paul Smith and I went out for afternoon tea and uh, we had the strawberry, but I wanted black currant jam. <laughs> I might have to take my own, pop a little, you know, little jar of blackcurrant jam in my pocket and then just say to them I'll have raspberry and then just not eat the raspberry but use my own blackcurrant jam yeah make her own jam what are you mad who makes their own jam it's only people who, who, who don't work for a living can stand in the kitchen and make their own jam not not go ahead people like us you know people at the cutting edge of of news gathering so we haven't got time to make jam have you ever done jam before well how but you've done it by yourself what age were you you burnt yourself. Well, there you go. Then it's not meant for you. That's why God made companies like Tiptree and all these other places. That's what it's supposed to be. You, you, because you've got to use a thermometer. You've got to put the thermometer in there and it's got to be the right temperature for the jam. And then you've got to set it. And then you've got, my mother used to wash jars out. Mind you, my mother did make jam and she made marmalade and she made her own pickled onions. Well, when I say show, oh, right, you're, you're, oh, right. Paul Smith's other half's mother is making vodka. Call the police. OK, she's quite clearly got a still going or something like that. Making vodka? What's she make it out of? If you tell me potatoes, I'm definitely calling the police. <laughs> Makes her own vodka. Why don't you just go and buy it? And Jay, well, actually, strange enough, my, uh, my late uncle Jack, when his daughter got married up in Norfolk, he, he made all the booze for the wedding. All the beers, all the spirits, everything. He didn't, he didn't buy anything in. We thought he was a bit tight, actually, to be honest with you. We're all going, well, he makes his own whiskey. Yeah, he made everything. Makes his own slow gin, everything. And in the early days, you could go to some of the chemists, you know, places like Boots would do it. Not like the chemist. I use goods because they don't do it. And you could buy a kit to make your own beer. People would make their own beer. And it used to be advertised on the television. You could make sort of seven gallons of it. You know, by blowing up next door shed or something, and uh, and you and you got the kit with the pipe in, and and then all the different stuff that you added to it. Yeah, it was very popular. Make your own beer, and then you know, make your own wine. Just add grapes. You know, my auntie Enid was tramping the stuff in the bar for ages. Does your dad make his own wine? Yeah, sort of. People like doing it because they think it's it's good, and they go out along that. You can always spot them on the hedgerows. They're on there. So, oh, we pick some black currants or blackberries or things like that. And, oh, wait a minute, there's some horse slips or whatever it happens to be. And then they take it back home. And then all of a sudden they make their own wine. You think, oh, just go and buy the stuff. It's cheaper. 
It's cheaper. Does Auntie Enid still have a drink? Um, well, not intentionally, no. Because she's embalmed, we have to sort of top her up every so often. So we've sort of stuck a funnel, you know, round, round the back and we just sort of pour stuff in. And she seems quite happy with it at the moment. But uh, no, I don't like homemade drink. I would think that was very odd. If I went round somebody's house and I went, oh, I've made some homemade apple and bramble wine or something, I'd, I'd be going, haven't you got anything proper? You know, I'd like to buy a bottle of wine. But also it would have to be a nice bottle of wine. It would have to be a very, very good bottle of wine. Uh, somebody says, if you leave... Uh, all I can tell you is if you leave a scone in front of me for two minutes, it's gone, says Jamie, who's a night plumber, which sounds quite, uh, quite scary, doesn't it, if you're a night plumber? What about day plumbers? And uh, come, to, uh, come up north, Steve. Lemon curd is still the height of posh. Lemon curd. Isn't it funny how we use... As kids, you'd have your tea would be sandwiches, and then you might have banana sandwiches... And a cup of tea or something like that, or orange squash. David Leeds says, uh, your southern posing stuff like passion fruit and kumquat ragu, stewed fruit to the rest of us, is only bought with a complimentary smack in the mouth. <laughs> I quite like the idea, don't you? Sorry, d- does one have ragu here? You can see the bloke's getting up from the table. He's going, sorry, mate, what'd you say? You go, I'm just wondering if they had ragu. Do you have, have kumquats here? <laughs> knuckle sandwich. I make corned beef hash in my uh, cab. Oh yes we know all about that actually Phil, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Carlin Stain says you're the reason mince pies are sold out for Christmas enjoy one for me. Do you know somebody said to me the other day, they said is it mince pie season? Adrian Sherling says, is it mince pie season? He does the computer stuff for us here and, uh, and I said of course it's mince pie season and so you're right, they're in short supply at the moment and um, uh, Mark says uh, all those old time foods you talk about are so many Proust Madeleine. Thank you for the trip down memory lane. Is that a trip down memory lane when you talk about lemon curd and things like that? I haven't. I just haven't had it for ages. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I want it. I wanted to buy some rolls the other day to have with my uh, have with my with my dinner, but I ended up not buying rolls because they didn't have anything that I liked the look of. Uh, you're making me nostalgic, Steve, for shared memories, says Michael in Vancouver. Uh, Cornish holidays in the 60s. Holidays in Mevergissey. You mentioned real old-fashioned Cornish pasties, lots of fillings, double-clotted cream and strawberry jam scones, lemon curd, tarts and Marmite sandwiches. The family picnic delights. Thank you for the memories. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Don't forget, this coming Sunday is Remembrance Sunday, which means that a lot of London will be closed off around Pall Mall, Whitehall, down through Parliament Square, left over the uh, the bridge there, right up into Birdcage Walk, because there's going to be a lot of uh, troops. There's going to be, I don't know how many people actually march in the parade, but they must come in from Pall Mall. We were trying to work out what the route is for Remembrance Sunday. Uh, the Queen will be there, but she will not be laying a wreath. That will be laid by Prince Charles for her. But if you're thinking of coming into town on the Sunday morning, you'll have to take public transport. Thank God it'll be operating by then. And it took me about an hour and a half to get home yesterday, which is all right. I don't have a problem with things like that. I just sit there and happily wait until the train tootles out. But it was uh, it was a bit a, a little bit bad, but doable. It was doable. I didn't, didn't have too much problem. D- D- Dave Goff said to me yesterday, because I said, what's it like? He said, I think it's mainly, you know, over on the south coast but in fact it was a lot of local trains they were all running just either late or they weren't running them at all so let's wait and see how tomorrow goes they've got a lot of management who are doing things and apparently they had all sorts of cock-ups yesterday which didn't go down too well i bought some lime curd lime curd made my mrs darlington which they sell in wiggin market says jimmy in up holland a bit too far for you to travel it is but uh, for, for a nostalgic day out i could actually drive up there i suppose 
And uh, talking about small pots of shippums paste, says Martin, reminded me of my childhood. My parents in the 60s owned a wavy line grocer's shop in Walton-on-Thames. A wavy line. <laughs> so cool because it had a wavy line on it. And at the back of the shop was a stand with Shippham's paste tubs and small Heinz baby food. Helping my mother fill the stand was how I learnt to read before I started school in 1965. Ah, right. And uh, Wayne in Basildon, thank you. Uh, Andy says, isn't making your own vodka a little bit illegal? I have no idea. I've never made anything in my life. I can't even... I mean, my mother used to make pickled onions, but I say she didn't actually make pickled onions. I would... I would what, making vodka... Well, I, d- I think it is illegal to make vodka. I, th- I think you find it is. I think it's illegal to make vodka. I don't think you're allowed to... I th- don't argue with me, Paul. I'm telling you, I think it is, it's illegal to make vodka. I don't think you're allowed to do that. I think there's a, there's a law against something like that. Because you might be making something that's highly potent. It's illegal, isn't it? She's not making vodka now, is she? She now stopped. Having told me, oh, you know, the uh, the other half's mother makes vodka. No, she doesn't anymore. Yes, you need a permit to make vodka because you think she's got a permit now. All of a sudden she's got a permit. There you go. Things you learn on the programme. No, it's definitely illegal to start making your own booze and churning it. You can't do things like that because you wouldn't know what strength you were making. It's highly dangerous. People. That's why I said is it made of potatoes because people used to make vodka out of potatoes. And uh, it's, it's very dangerous. He's now running. <laughs> Bye. See you at 12.30. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. Yes, find out if the police are waiting outside the building. Do let me know. We'll see if we can save you from it. <laughs> 84850, uh, I know I know somebody, Steve, who made wine from the sap of a silver birch tree. Highly intoxicating. Yes. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm not at all surprised. I don't, I don't subscribe to all this making your own things. It's like yesterday we had making your own Christmas crackers, which I could understand for some people for Christmas, but they're really not that expensive. And uh, and Kim says, you sound like somebody out of Take the High Road. You know, that god-awful soap they used to force on us up here. Oh, I'd, I loved it. Take the High Road. Oh, I thought that was great. Why shouldn't Scotland have its own little uh, thing? I like that a lot, actually. Uh, Holly says, you always remind me of things. It must be my age. I remember staying in a posh hotel on the west coast of Scotland many years ago. No riffraff, please. When I went to the ensuite bathroom, there was uh, dirty water. And it turns out that the main water... Uh, up there, the mains water that came out of the taps was was dirty. It used to come out. We used to turn our taps on, and it was what we call brackenish. I think it was brackenish, and uh, that was never too uh, too popular. But uh, it, it was sort of coloured brown with peat. Imagine getting into a bath full of brown water. <laughs> Some, it's, it's funny, isn't it? We just sort of we don't we don't think about things like that anymore. But no, we used to have brackenish water because the tank was on the uh, in in the loft. And sometimes the tank would get dirty, might find a dead pigeon in it. They did one in Faulty Towers. Do you remember? Ages and ages ago. Uh, leave a steak at room temperature for five minutes, seasoned, cooked your choice, and then rest for two minutes before putting on your plate to eat, says Sharon. Chef at a well-known budget hotel. Bless your heart. Uh, I've a yacht, says Keith. Check out the mooring fees before you buy a boat. Listen, no, you don't have a yacht. No, you haven't. No, we've already decided you haven't got a yacht. No. But mooring fees, I mean, if you're going to spend 95000 on a boat that was owned by George Formby, bought, you know, for him and his wife, you're not going to worry about mooring fees. Around here, you can, you know, mooring fees are OK. You can moor in quite a number of places. In fact, there is one that came up the other day, which was two mooring fees. So, Keith, do not worry. 
Do not worry about it. Do not worry about other people buying a yacht. I wouldn't buy a yacht. I'd buy this boat, though. 95,000. Looks absolutely lovely. Looks very, very nice. Uh, we will go through the, uh, the papers, uh, the front pages, and we'll go through some of the other stories, because uh, after the top chef, chef uh, Antonio Carluccio, died, uh, he was the man who mentored Jamie Oliver. Uh, married three times. Uh, he, was, he was very popular. People liked him. People liked him because he was one of those old-fashioned chefs. We used to have one on LBC years ago. We used to have Glyn Christian, of course, who was uh, related to Fletcher Christian. Uh, I used to live directly opposite uh, Warrington Cemetery, so George Formby's grave was only yards from my house, says Paula. See, that's nice. I think that's quite nice, you know, that that's his last resting place. Um, oh, Mr Wu... I like all the songs. <laughs> I'm into mince pies and found with icing on the top. Yummy. Also into the moment. I'm an old English marmalade on toast, says Martin. I can't do marmalade. I quite like the jars, but I just don't do marmalade. If I was going to do one, it would be lime marmalade. That's the only one. I didn't like these Seville oranges. Although Paul, Paul Cooper gets people going in there and they'll, they'll go, any oranges in at the moment? The Seville oranges for marmalade? Although we've had more than a couple of people come in and pick up a cooking apple thinking you can eat it. Where they're a little bit sour for eating, they they have to be uh, they have to be cooked. Uh, on the Christmas Day show, Steve, will the uh, the phones be switched on? I think you should keep the sanctity of the show with texts and emails. It's every year I always go. Perhaps we should open up the phone lines, and every year we never get round to doing it. We kind of sort of go right. I'll think about opening up the phone lines, and then we get halfway through the show, and then we're sort of we're doing so well with texts and emails and everything else that uh, I I never do it. But I've, I've just I've got to wait and see the. Um, the schedule for Christmas, so bear with me. Uh, fancy going to the Roman Temple in London? It's underneath the Bloomberg office. It's a bit small. You have to try and use your imagination. So obviously when they were digging out the foundations, they went, oh, look, some stones. Temple, that's what it was. It was a temple. And they used to have sacrifices every day, every day. Uh, Steve, Irish potato whiskey or porcine was home-brewed. Still get it in certain places in Ireland, but you're not allowed to bring it back into the UK, says Joe. It's too strong. Oh, I tell you, I've got a, a vodka which is from uh, Jamaica. It is so strong. This stuff, if you just had a normal shot of it, blow your head off. This stuff is, is lethal. I promise you, lethal. Uh, the best Christmas sandwiches. It's a claws contest because they're out there and people like sandwiches for Christmas. Some of the sandwich uh, companies give money to charities. Vegetable prices are up, but aren't they always at Christmas? They go, oh, no, get your vegetables now and, you know, wouldn't worry about it too much at the moment. And also, till death us won't part, the groom came back from the other side. He thought he was dying. And then he suddenly went, I'm not dying. Wrong diagnosis, which is good. Uh, a mother up on a drink driving charge claimed in court that her mother's spag bowl put her over the limit because she put red wine in it. Who puts red wine in spag bowl? What sort of common thing is that? We don't want that kind of stuff, do we? Uh, England and Germany will wear poppies for the Wembley clash. So that's good news. Uh, also, no shaving for the loose women. Dear God, how hairy are they? I mean, Colleen is going to have a full-grown beard by the end of the week, isn't she? I mean, I should imagine... Because some, sometimes the camera goes up too, too close, especially on Janet Street Porter. You've got to be very careful because, I mean, it does look like she's growing a small moustache. You know, not, not so great. Uh, also, there's another little Barbie... Uh, it's cost £5,000. It's not a doll. It's one of those little girls who goes in for pageants. Posy, posy, icky, icky. And uh, she's seven years old. Uh, the good news is that Katie Price has finally been gagged. A hot week. 
half week because she's having these new teeth put in. As I said yesterday, not particularly bothered about the fact that Harvey's had all these threats made against him. She still decides to jet off to go and get her teeth done in Turkey. Like there's nobody in this country who can do it. Uh, there's also a compensation Connor Lag who lied over a cell slip injury, has been exposed. And there's another one in the paper. He's tried it on quite a few times. Tried to get thousands of pounds out of the local council. And uh, in this particular case, and I'll tell you who he is, uh, probably just after the news at six, um, uh, the council discovered that he was lying, mainly because his wife said, no, he didn't. He was chasing me and he tripped over. So he tried to claim thousands. What have, what have the council done? They've countersued him. He's, he's now got a bill of £12,000 to pay. Ha, 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 ha. He also uh, turns out to have tried this on with a hospital before as well. He's obviously a right old con artist, but it's, it's cost him dear. 84850, steve at uk. Somebody says, I, I look forward to Remembrance Sunday to see how many extra medals Prince Edward has earned. His military uniform, says Andy, always looks so smart. I know. If only he'd ever seen active service. Not that I'm suggesting he hasn't seen active service, as I'm sure he must have done at some point. But uh, he's certainly nothing for fighting or doing anything. I mean, he couldn't quite make it in the Marines, as we know. I think Philip, Prince Philip, was a little bit disappointed in sort of just how, you know, and people say, OK, we're up at three in the morning. I, I don't think so, no. Yeah, up, up. I've only got my boxer shorts on. I'm not... Uh, outside, because they drag them out. I've seen the training for the Marines. I was thinking about joining the Marines myself, but, but to be honest with you, I get up at 10 in the morning, I have a light breakfast, maybe of a poached egg, and uh, some eggy soldiers, and only when I've had my shower with Penhaligans or Joe Malone will I actually then deem to put the uniform on. Until then, no chance. So uh, they, they apparently didn't kind of see my side of it. And they didn't... Do you think what? When my dad was in the REF, oh, he would get up very early. My father was always up early in the morning, mainly because when he was in the REF proper dressing up with sort of all the boots, they used to have to polish their boots until you could see your face in them, which involved setting fire to the polish. Nowadays, people don't have... Very rarely do you find somebody who's... We used to have a, a shoe cleaning box, which had brushes in, polish, cherry blossom, and you take the lid off and you dip your brush in and rub it round, and then on the original things, then he would set fire to the polish. And then it would burn, then he'd polish it to a shine so you could see your face in it. And woe betide anybody who didn't have shiny boots. I think they still do it now, but now you just wipe it over with something, don't you? So you've got the same kind of thing. But, uh, oh no, we, we've still got my dad's uniform. It's so bizarre. We don't know what to do with it. We just don't want to get rid of it. It was my dad's uniform, but he died so many years ago. I just don't know what we're going to do with it. But my brother is, is uh, keeping of it at the moment. But, uh, no, sh shoe shiny. But Pr Prince Edward, he never saw anything, did he? They, they used to get them up in the morning. Two o'clock, they'd be outside, pouring with rain, freezing cold. They'd have them doing press-ups. And then they'd have them out on the moors, going through frozen lakes with their kit held above their heads so that they knew... I mean, and they were naked. They were stark naked, going through this, this lake... Free, I mean, seriously, I don't, but they, they have to do that to make sure. I mean, even Andy, you know, not exactly the hardest working member of the royal family. He sort of wears his uniform, but he just looks a bit uncomfortable in it. But he used to make people call him Sir all the time. At least he got to ride in a helicopter. Brum, 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 brum. Whether he flew it or not, I don't know. Did he fly a helicopter? Oh, lovely. But uh, we're not sure about Harry, whether he flew it or he was just sort of, sort of the pilot next to the pilot. He was... We think he, he was map reading, actually. And uh, William, I don't think he ever saw active service, did he? Did William do anything? 
He didn't, he didn't look as though he was butch enough to do anything like sort of joining the armies, but I'm sure... Because he also wears a load of medals, but they turn out to have been handed out by the Queen for various things. One will be a New Zealand medal, one will be a medal for 1987, one will be for one 1988 and all the rest of it. And so in the case of uh, William, he also has lots of medals, but they've never... Said, like Prince, Prince Charles has got lots of medals. What active service he saw, I don't know. Prince William did search and rescue stuff, which counts now, apparently, for getting medals. God, they must all have medals in the search and rescue. He doesn't do search and rescue now. In fact, now he just sort of does one event a week or something like that. Like the one they did the other day, I think Kate went by herself because she stopped being sick over the children. And uh, so now she can take the kids to school. But the event was at Kensington Palace. So she just wandered out the back door, walked around the corner, and there she was inside. The- Hello. Where, 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 where's your car? Well, it's in the garage. We don't need to use the car. I'm not even sure if they drive. I'm not even sure if I've ever seen a picture of Prince William driving. But yes, I have, because when he came out of hospital uh, with, with first baby, I think he was actually driving then because they had a child seat in the back of the car. Tuh, things you learn on the programme. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday, 9th of November, 8 minutes to 6. Interesting, we found a, a picture in the paper today. In fact, it's, uh, it's a picture that appears in a lot of the papers. And it's the, uh, the hypocrite boss of the RMT this is Mick Lynch, who was pictured the other day on a train. Nothing surprising about that, except it's one of those trains he says is dangerous. And so he's pictured, this is a man who's on 105,000 a year. What that's got to do with it, I've got no idea. But uh, he was caught on the 811 Overground Heathrow Connect service from West Ealing to Paddington. And on Friday and Monday morning, Tory MP Chris Phillip whose campaign for tougher anti-strike laws says this smacks of hypocrisy. The fact the RMT officials happily choose to travel on trains where drivers operate the doors shows they know they're safe. Mr Lynch says, what choice do I have? The company chose to make driver-only operations many years ago. Well, so they're obviously not dangerous. You managed to get on it. You obviously have no disregard or you have no regard for your own life. So that must be OK for the rest of us. Not think so? Uh, top shops, uh, changing rooms are going gender neutral. Um, as I say, I think we've gone completely round the bend in all these things. There's little children that get dressed and undressed in these uh, in these change rooms, which are sort of like big sort of rooms. If they're all separate, I don't I don't have a problem there. And then there's a poor lady called Helen Cox. Helen Cox's caravan was stolen. It's a nice caravan. It's just the sort of one somebody would nick if you were into that kind of thing. And she's found it. She's found it on a traveller site. And they sent up a little microlight aircraft. They've taken a picture of it. Anyway, she then reported it to the police. Uh, the police said that they went down there and the travellers refused to let them on the site. What? What is it? Some sort of new law down in Cambridgeshire or something? Where sort of people go, you're not coming in here. You know, all they have to do is get a search warrant. It's not difficult. We're looking for a caravan. We can see where it is. It's at the back of this building. Well, it certainly looks like hers, but we need to go and check it. You're not coming on this site. They, uh, they apparently got surrounded by a load of travellers who were threatening them. Not very nice people, are they, really? You would think if they've got nothing to hide, they wouldn't have any problem. Yeah, come and have a look at it. It's one of our caravans. But uh, she said, it's my caravan. And the police said it wasn't safe. It wasn't safe or legal to enter the site. They're just scared, aren't they, really? That's, that's all it comes down to, whichever way you look at it. Of course, they, so in other words, the police have a no-go area within their patch that they can't go on to because somebody says you can't come onto this site. They're looking for stolen property. But the first place you'd be going, isn't it, really? This woman says she's seen it. Why are they not sort of picking up on it? Because they're scared. That's what it is. Uh, there was only one thing that uh, Antonio Carluccio loved more than food. What was that? Women. He loved... He'd been married three times. 
So he was, uh, he was uh, very popular with the ladies. And so he goes no further. The very British film that every family must see this Christmas, says Jan Moyer. And believe it or not, even Hugh Grant plays a blinder. It's Paddington 2. We love Paddington. He is... He's the saviour of everything. In fact, he must be, because they're using him in the Marks and Spencers advert, contrary to what you think uh, is the uh, the conversation between Paddington and Santa Claus. Uh, it's still very funny, but we like our Christmas adverts. Over at John Lewis, I think they're not showing the advert till tonight. Already the merchandise is out in the stores. And then when they were asked about it, they said, oh, we, we never comment on things like that. Of course you do. Don't be so silly. <laughs> Who are these ridiculous people? Ken Dodd at 90, still telling jokes to make your hair stand on end. My dad knew I was going to be a comedian. When I was a baby, he said, is this a joke? See? Simple stuff like that. You know, so it turns out if you bang two halves of a horse together, it doesn't make the sound of a coconut. I mean, people sit there for hours wetting themselves on this one. I told the Inland Revenue I didn't owe them a penny because I live near the seaside. I don't get that one. Is that the only one I don't get? Oh, sorry, inland. Oh, right, OK. Oh, God. So even I'm not getting one-liners now. Uh, Honolulu's got everything. Sand for the children, sun for the wife, sharks for the wife's mother. <laughs> An old one, but it's a goodie. I haven't spoken to my mother-in-law for 18 months. I don't like to interrupt her. You can use these later on today. Seriously, you can use them at work. Uh, Five-thirds of people have trouble understanding fractions. You get that one? I got that one straight away. Uh, I have kleptomania, but when it gets bad, I take something for it. Okay, kleptomania is the act of uh, stealing. Uh, My act is very educational. I heard a man leaving the other night saying, well, that taught me a lesson. You could just see him saying them, can't you? He says, what a beautiful day for sticking a cucumber through somebody's letterbox and shouting, help, help, the Martians have landed. (laughs) Not too sure about that. Is that repeatable? Is that an okay? (laughs) I don't know. That might be OK. Uh, I wouldn't part with my teeth. I'm the only patient who can sit in the dentist's waiting room and have his teeth checked in the surgery. <laughs> How many men does it take to change a toilet roll? Nobody knows. It's never been done before. And um, she was a big girl. She could stir-fry a leg of lamb. She tried the speak-your-weight machine. It said, to be continued. Good. I like that one. How do you make a blonde laugh on a Sunday? Tell her a joke on a Wednesday. Oh, I can see people. Ooh, not sure about that one. That's an anti-blonde. Yeah, but most people aren't aren't proper blondes, are they? They're bottle blondes. Bottle blondes. And also, Gemma, you don't think that's her real colour, do you? Of course not. Don't be silly. Soon as she's out, just remember, you have to vote for us to do the Bush Tucker trials. In fact, every one of them, which we'll be grateful uh, for. Thank you so much indeed. And also, do not bother going to Antarctica. We're inside the Arctic Circle to see the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights, because you get it here. And there's some lovely pictures in the mail today in Scotland. Beautiful pictures of the Aurora Borealis. Also in Caithness uh, and in Wick. And over Derwent Water. So pretty. Have you ever seen them? Seriously, you've never seen... You must watch them. You must absolutely... They're just absolutely beautiful. It's so pretty. And it's just... It's um, atmosphere, isn't it? And, and different temperatures and stuff like that. I've seen them. We're like old friends. Uh, and here is the temple. 2,000 years ago, it was the scene of daily sacrifices and naked rituals. Way! A naked ritual. Today, after a restoration in the vaults of a top city office, it's London's latest tourist attraction. Well, it is now. It's featured in the paper. A blood-soaked Roman temple beneath a billion-pound modern temple to Mammon. And here it is. But don't expect a lot. 
Don't expect a lot because there isn't really a lot to see there. As I said before on the programme, it's a little bit like uh, the uh, the amphitheatre underneath the Guildhall. It's just a lot of stones and a lot of imagination. But it's not big in any way, shape or form. But it's it's there, nevertheless. And it's free. We like free. Free is good. Thank you very much indeed. OK, we take a short break for the news at six o'clock this morning. As predicted... Pretty's gone, but she's still an MP, so we haven't quite got rid of her completely. Furious, the family of the Labour minister found dead, said they told the party he was fragile. John Prescott's son has been suspended by Jeremy Corbyn. In fact, I think he was working as a speechwriter for Corbyn and worked with him for for a period of time. This is over allegations of harassment. Uh, Also, Topshop, their changing rooms go gender neutral, so you can use any of their changing rooms now. Uh, also, Paddington 2, getting those rave reviews that filmmakers can only dream about. Don't bother going to the Arctic to see those northern lights. They are here. And Columbo's coat is up for sale. And the price, they reckon about £90,000. But what a piece of history. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast till 7, 4 to 7, Monday through Friday. And we're here Saturday morning as well. Actually, I can tell you this week... Uh, The best of Steve Allen on Saturday morning between five and six, between six and seven. It's the first play out of our In Conversation programme. Two well-known celebrities join us for conversation. And this week, this week, ladies and gentlemen, we have Jeremy Thompson. Do you know the man who you see all the time on the television reading the news? He's got his autobiography out. So delighted that he's one of our guests. And the other one is Stephen Fry. So there you go. Stephen Fry talking about Greek mythology, but do not go, oh, not Greek mythology. When Stephen Fry tells stories of Greek mythology, believe you me, it's, uh, it's about as good as it gets. You'll find him riveting. Seriously, absolutely riveting. And uh, when we talk to Jeremy as well, if news is your thing, this man will inspire you to, to maybe go into news. But he's now, he seems to be as busy now as he ever was when he was reading the news. Although I read a thing the other day that said that if they don't get... Um, what are they doing? There was something on... That's right. They're actually... Fox are trying to buy out Sky. And they, they've said that if they're not allowed to, is it that, then they will close down Sky News. And I, and I spoke to a friend of mine. He said, oh, God, I hope not. I said, I don't think it'll happen, but it's amazing what people threaten nowadays, isn't it? Apparently, there was, there was a little bit in, the, uh, in one of the papers today, only a little tiny bit, and, uh, and it was supposed to be uh, the BBC who were going to cut £10 million from their local radio budget into be, to become more local. Now they've scrapped their plans to cut £10 million. And so, speaking at an event, uh, they've, they've only got 39 regional stations. However, you know, uh, they, they get an audience. I've got no... Uh, however many of them get audiences, I've got no idea. But uh, he said, I believe in local radio. Well, you'd have to be. There's no audience, is there, really? I mean, it's generally the local vicar and somebody who's wanted in on work experience doing things. You know, BBC Local Radio. OK, now we've got a phone in. And uh, I'm doing the phones today. Uh, I was doing sandwiches in the canteen earlier on. Now I'm doing that. I've always liked stuff like that. I like the idea of local radio, but it's it's had to move on a pace. You know, the radio industry has moved faster than the BBC have. The BBC are just a drag in their heel because they're doing the same things that they were donkeys years ago, and it hasn't uh, hasn't changed. The nearest thing Steve Prince Edward got to active service was the It's a Royal Knockout, and you remember what a total disaster that was. Sarah Ferguson picking up her skirts and running. Probably not for the first time. Uh, Chris says, I've got a shoe polishing box. It was my granddad's, who was a cavalryman in the First World War. It's made of cherry tree wood with handmade hinges and still has some of the original brushes. Yeah, we had one, and you could put your shoe on the top. Of it. It, was, it was lovely. I don't know how many other people have 
shoe cleaning kits in boxes. Uh, Chris in Brentwood says Robinson's, the conserve company, that's jam for you and me, was founded in 1935 by the grandson of J.T. Robinson, who was a prolific theatre architect based in London, who was responsible for buildings like the Old Vic. And that's popped up in the news again recently, hasn't it, I'm afraid? Uh, uh, J.T. Robinson was the tutor and later father-in-law of Frank Matcham. Frank Matcham, of course, who made theatres. Frank Matcham's theatres were legendary. I'll tell you what I like. There's a lovely site, I can't remember what it's called, and it's got pictures in London. My favourite is of Hoban. Next to Hoban Station is where the Hoban Empire was, which was a huge theatre. And now the only thing that's left are just a couple of slabs of stone. The rest of it is all is all modern. But they've got a picture where they've superimposed what the Hoban Empire looked like over the top of what's there now. And I think that's quite... We used to have, just down where we turn right over Waterloo Bridge, uh, in front of us would have been, years ago, the Gaiety Theatre. That must be like wandering into a, a film set from uh, from one of Cliff Richard's films where they go into places that were sort of all falling down and they sort of put on shows and it was... I just love those films. I just love, love, love those films. Uh, so, Ben in Buckingham, thank you for telling us about the the reinvestment. Not going to make any difference, though, at all. Uh, so, what else do we have for you today? Apart from uh, apart from Topshop and Pretty Patel, which is what we predicted yesterday. We did say, I bet you anything, by the time I come back in here tomorrow morning, uh, Pretty Patel will have gone. Uh, the Dragon's Den... Fueling a beauty con. Uh, the con is free skin cream trials. Uh, what you have to do is give your credit card over and they'll take 80 quid a month. So be warned. Be warned. No such thing as a free a free lunch. The jungle sex pest groped me down under. Nicola McLean relives the story that we saw on television back in 2008. I'll tell you very briefly. Nicola McLean was a, a sort of a very average, very uninteresting page three sort of glamour model for those people who couldn't do proper modelling. And she obviously thought that she wanted to be famous. And so she appeared on various little programmes. Then she appeared on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And she was on with various people. One of them was David Van Day. And at one point they do some... How this occurred? Perhaps it wasn't I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here because they were washing a car. They were washing a car on I'm a Celebrity in the Australian jungle. An odd thing to do. Anyway, of course, she does it in a little tiny bikini. Okay, because she's a glamour model and because, you know, they're not the brightest pennies in the box. Anyway, cut long story much, much shorter. Uh, David Van Day smacks her on the bottom, playfully, and then makes a comment about her huge bosom because she was wearing a bikini that quite clearly wasn't her size. And so she complained. Apparently, she said she complained to the producers and they basically said, you want to do something about it? And she said no, because she didn't want to be seen as as a troublemaker and thought it would harm her career. So that was 2008. It was shown on the television. So quite clearly, they didn't think it was worth cutting out. And they do cut bits out of the programme. There are certain bits that are filmed and they're sort of done for your entertainment. And there are other bits on there. So they've already started filming little bits out there with whoever is out there. I've got no idea and couldn't care less, you know, whether it's somebody like uh, her or somebody like somebody else. But obviously they didn't deem that it was offensive enough to take it out. And yet when they went in, they said, you know, do you want us to have a word with him and that kind of thing? David Van Day's wife has said, oh, it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. It's, you know, a lot of smoke and puff and nothing really going on. But it was shown on the television. So not only, not only did the company that make it not think that it was inappropriate and they put it out on the television, but ITV didn't think it was inappropriate and put it out on the television. If it had been remotely offensive, 
So perhaps, obviously, you know, 2008, people didn't think that was offensive. Perhaps it was, you know, if they thought it was offensive, they would have cut it from the programme, but they didn't. So we all watched it. Did anybody complain? No. First, should we hear... Oh, right. So here we... Oh, right. So, so this, this, this is what we, you're going to hear. You're going to hear the conversation, presumably, which David Van Day is having with Nicola McLean. OK, you won't have heard of Nicola McLean. You'd have heard of David Van Day. And so this is, this is what... Was, this is what was transmitted, OK? So, here we go. He sort of goes to kiss her. Playful, playful kissing. When he smacked my bum, I couldn't believe it. I look, no, she's laughing about it. Not normal. Look. He smacked my bum, and then she starts waving her breasts in his department way. And, and then he's putting cold water. She's, you know, touching her breasts as well with the cold water. And that was that. But she was laughing about it. Funny, isn't it? 2008, they laugh about it. Years later, they go, oh, I didn't like that at all. I told the producers about it. And, and he planted a kiss on her. But everybody was kissing everybody and I'm a celebrity. That's the whole idea. They wanted people to form relationships and stuff like that. So he gave her a playful slap on the bottom. You know, which, which maybe nowadays would be seen as, as not appropriate. They're in a camp. They're making a television programme. It's pretend. It's a reality show. It's, you know, she's wearing, as I say, a bra that doesn't fit her properly. You know, if she was really thinking about this properly, she'd have worn something that wasn't so much in your face. You know, not with somebody who obviously likes, you know, that. So, and, and then she looked and she said, I can't believe it, you touched my bottom and all the rest of it. And you think, so you didn't really think it was that bad at the time. You know, I mean, she says here, if David Van Day had done what he did to me, to somebody who wasn't a glamour model, there would have been uproar. No, there wouldn't. There really wouldn't have been uproar. I don't think there would have been uproar. It was a different time. Completely different time. We'd have just, nobody complained about it. There's been other people who've sort of hugged people and stuff like that. Nobody's ever complained about anything before. A bit late, though, doing it so far down the line. But obviously she thinks there's something in it. And, uh, and she's labelled his actions sexually inappropriate from 2008. We're in 2017, for goodness sake. And um, uh, the Mail Online have spoken to David Van Day's wife, Sue, who says this was all a bit of harmless fun for television. It was before I met David nine years ago. I don't know why it's all been brought up now. She hasn't been in the press much recently. And uh, Nicola's revealed the producers said, do you want him kicked off the show after being concerned with his behaviour? So why would they ask her for it? If they thought it was inappropriate, they'd have kicked him off the show, wouldn't they? I would have thought so. But uh, anyway, and um, she's now admitted she tried to look past his actions in fear of being labelled a drama queen and not finding work after the show. Uh, not the first time she's spoken about Dave's behaviour as she opened up in 2008 after she left the series. What he did was degrading, she claimed at the time. He touched me inappropriately in our contract. Oh, it says we're not to touch one another in a sexual way or you get a warning or even worse. The producers called me into the Bush Telegraph. That must be the bit where they talk about other people. I didn't do anything about it at the time, but I'm kicking myself now. Why? Why are you kicking yourself now? Can't be the first time somebody's sort of snogged you or patted you on the bottom or something like that. I mean, you know, but uh, she thought it was uh, inappropriate. And so here they are actually in 2008 because they attended a winter event and um, they look fairly OK together, actually. I don't know why. But uh, she's posted on social media uh, about being home alone. Her car was then stolen. 
not going particularly well, is it? But, you know, there's more and more of these stories. But this one we saw on the television. We watched it. I didn't think it was inappropriate watching it. I just thought it was a bit silly. But there again, I think all of these programmes are silly. So somebody puts their arm around somebody and tries to give them a kiss. And, you know, you either just oh, get off. Don't be so silly. You know, or you make a big deal about it. But you don't leave it this long, do you? I don't think you do anyway. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is the time. Cold. Cold today. It's going to be a cold winter this year, so brace yourself. Now the time to go out and start getting some uh, some winter coats. Uh, Nick in Hackney says, I walked past a shop yesterday selling artisan perfume. Made me chuckle and I thought of you. Thank you. Uh, artisan. It's everywhere, isn't it? Artisan. The name is artisan. I don't know what it means. Posh. Expensive. Rubbish. Uh, and Steve, I'm going out to lunch today with a friend who always forgets her purse. A bit like your pal who forgets his wallet. Any tips on how I should handle it? I think you just have to come right out and say, have you got your... Um, you haven't got two tens for a 20. That way you can see if they've got their wallet with them. Because otherwise, you know, you've got to be careful. Uh, and Mark... Uh, no, it isn't Mark, it's somebody else actually. She says, we kept our polish kit in an old biscuit tin. Uh, ox blood and cherry blossom. The use at the Cherry Blossom factory used to be on the Hogarth Roundabout at Chiswick. Cherry Blossom. And uh, I can remember having it oh, years and years ago. And another one says here, will it, will it ever end about all the things you can and can't do? What next? Remove and delete the Benny Hill era. Oh, Lord above, Adrian. I thought that was done ages ago. They'd already decided that that wasn't appropriate, chasing people around. That one, that wasn't appropriate. But now, you know, very shortly, you won't be allowed to have party games. You know, which involves touching another person. Because people go, I think you touched me inappropriately. And you go, we're doing a party game. You know, I'm not crying of thinking about it. Anyway, there's a mother in the paper today, weeping as she accuses uh, Kevin Spacey of sexually assaulting her 18-year-old son in a bar. And uh, as I say, how long ago this was, I've got no idea. Uh, she told a press conference, she's a TV reporter, and she says, shame on you for what you did to my son. It's, you know, he was he was 18. I don't know anything else about it. She's not named her son. So I don't I don't know whether this is true. None of us know. We don't know if any of this is true, but everything has to be taken as if it probably is. Uh, She says her son was 18 and not legally able to drink. So you can tell that this is not in this country because in America, you've got to be 21 over here. You've only got to be 18. Claims this one happened last year. Uh, He told the actor he was older. OK, so for some reason, best known to himself. They met in a bar in Nantucket. Uh, she says the victim, my son, who was in a bar illegally drinking, had no idea that the famous actor was an alleged sexual predator or that he was about to become his next victim. So Kevin Spacey stuck his hand down the front of his trousers and, uh, and touched him. Anyway, there was no consent. Uh, Kevin bought him a drink after drink. And when my son was drunk... Spacey made his move and sexually assaulted him. I want to make it clear it was a criminal act. But to say she hasn't named the son and the son hasn't come forward, so we don't know anything about it apart from that. Uh, somebody else has accused David Blaine. He said this just isn't true. It's amazing. I mean, it just seems to be never-ending, doesn't it? It just seems to be loads and loads. There's the woman who was working as a barmaid at the House of Commons. She reckoned 30 MPs tried it on with her. But, but does that mean 30 MPs went, you're good-looking, aren't you? Oh, it's nice to see somebody attractive. Would that be, would that be inappropriate if you said to somebody, it's, um, it's nice... Um, it, what was that one? Is this another one? Charlie Sheen denies claims that he sexually assaulted Corey Haim when he was 13. 
And uh, this is over 30 years ago. So, no, wait a minute. What do I know about Charlie Sheen? Is Charlie... Drugs. That's right. And also sex things, isn't it, with Charlie Sheen? I seem to remember. That's right. He has HIV. Haim told me... Now, he's not alive anymore, is he? He's not alive anymore. He had a, he had a problem with drugs. And uh, he said uh, they had sex. They smoked pot. And uh, when Corey wanted to fool around again, Charlie was not interested. And uh, so it went on. So Charlie Sheen uh, now is... This has come from another actor who said that there were lots of people who were predatory in Hollywood. In fact, there was a Hollywood child sex ring. But this we've known about for ages. I don't think we've... This isn't any big surprise. But the National Enquirer have uh, revealed, and they did reveal... Uh, in 2015, that when he was 19, he allegedly sexually assaulted 13-year-old Haim on the set of a film called Lucas. That's according to an actor and Haim's close friend, Dominic Brassica, is it? Brassia. But there's also been other people who've actually come out and said things. Corey Feldman, who I think is now 46, says that he was sexually abused as well by casting directors. Equity in this country, I think, is now looking... I mean, this is just... You know, it, it pushes everything else to one side, doesn't it? Makes pretty Patel just seem a little bit dull and boring, I'm afraid. Just for going for lots of meetings when she's away on holiday with people she shouldn't have been talking to. Uh, we found two con artists today. We don't often find two in one day, but when we do, we like to dwell on them. The first is called Kevin Richer. Kevin Richer is, uh, is a bit of a silly little boy. He, uh, he tried to sue his local council... Uh, because he tripped over a three-inch wide pothole. He said he snapped his Achilles tendon in the fall and attempted to make the council pay thousands in compensation. Now, what these people don't realise, crooks like uh, like Kevin Richer, who has a little bit of history, he's a self-employed bathroom fitter, and uh, he comes from Dorset, but the uh, the council staff visited... The, they have to visit the road to go and find out, and they looked at this thing and thought it was highly unlikely that he tripped over such a small hole. It was three inches. I mean, you can't trip over... A th- I mean, I suppose you could do, but anyway, they worked out that he couldn't. And it turned out that his former partner later told them he'd simply fallen over in the road whilst running after her. So the council, <laughs> far from letting it drop, decided to teach Kevin Richer a lesson. So they took him to court and they won. And the court have now given him 28 days to pay the council's legal bill of £11,985, you silly little man, Kevin. When you tell lies, you get caught out. And when you get caught out, you pay the money. But uh, he's, he's also tried to sue a hospital before now. and so He's obviously got a little bit of a history. However, the, we found a prisoner as well who tripped over in his cell and came up with that uh, boasting to guards, where there's blame, there's a claim. He was offered £1,200 payout. But he wanted more. When they went round to his house, he'd been released from prison and he rushed to the bathroom, put a mark on his forehead to try and make it look as though he'd actually done more damage. This is somebody from Strange Ways and we know about Strange Ways, don't we? Of course we do, because Ross Kemp did a documentary uh, on Barlini and, you know, similar sorts of prisons. But anyway, he actually claimed that the cut was sort of worse. When they tried to take a a photo of it, that was then that he ran to the toilet and came back again. But uh, he has 22 previous convictions, including burglary. So he's been given a suspended jail sentence. A bit pointless sending this poor old soul back into prison yet again because his life is obviously as bad as it's going to ever be. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Roy Hudd's not happy, man. He's uh, 81. He's uh, he's an expert on British Music Hall and 
Oh, on so many different people, so many different people. He's, he's really, you know, one of the nicest people in show business. Second time he's had to pull out of a production because he's not well. First time he pulled out for uh, some sort of medical reason. And this time round, same kind of thing. He's furious. It's the first time he's been unemployed in ages and uh, in the festive season. But, you know, got to get yourself right before you go back in again. Uh, also, the Pride of Britain Awards, bigger than the BAFTAs, they say. It got a bigger audience than the BAFTAs. And the mother who goes in court and tries to pretend that her mother's spaghetti bolognese, which had red wine in it, was the thing that pushed her over the limit. The court, of course, decided she was lying through her teeth. And so, uh, so she, got, uh, she got fined. John Prescott's son's an interesting one. Employed by Jeremy Corbyn, who seems to be employing all sorts of rogue people. He had somebody the other day, a bit of an activist who's got convictions, and now getting rid of uh, John Prescott's son over allegations of harassment. Oh, Lord above, is there nobody who's immune from this? Uh, Her Majesty, drawn into a tax storm, more rich stars are named in the paper today, and a toilet spray game tipped as a number one bestseller for Christmas, which means in my books it won't be. It'll be some toy that they go, oh look, this year there's a Paddington Bear game or something, you know, get Paddington around London, it'll come with a little Paddington that talks to you. I'm surprised that nobody's come up with a Paddington that talks. Which voice to put on him? Because we all had our own ideas of what Paddington's uh, voice would sound like, but uh, he's he's going to be huge, Paddington, all over again. Michael Bond would be, uh, oh, they've got a Paddington, talk to me, Paddington. He talks. It's only 30 quid. Doesn't look like Paddington, though, does it? We've all got an idea in our, in our mind of what Paddington looks like, and this must be taken from the new films. He does come with batteries. He's made in China. And he says, hello, my name is Paddington. Good afternoon. I'm from Darkest Peru. Uh, Marmite sandwich, sorry, marmalade sandwich is my favourite. Faux pas. I'm a very rare sort of bear, and his mouth will move along with his voice as he says each of his phrases. Oh, there's my brother's Christmas present sorted out. <laughs> he loves Paddington. Seriously, he'd, he'd talk back to him. He'd have a conversation. I like the idea of that, a talk to me Paddington. What age is it for? Does it go up to 50? It'll have to now. How lovely. What age? Oh, available, suitable for 10 months. It takes three, eight, eight. Oh, from ten months. Not suitable for children under three. Oh, well, there you go, Andy, you're not getting it. <laughs> no, he'd love something like that. That would be his sort of thing. He'd be so excited. But it's got to look like Paddington. It's, you know, and so mouth moves along with the voice. Sounds quite cute, doesn't it? Uh, and um, also the fantastic story of a groom who thought he was going to die and so got married fairly quickly, only to discover they'd made a mistake. And he wasn't going to die. So he, he, he came back and said, actually, I'm... I'm around still. And they went, hooray! And the wife went, oh, are you sure? And, uh, you know, because she'd already started selling the furniture off. Joking, joking, not serious, just in case. Uh, and what was the other one? Oh, yes, the, um, the this very, very odd story about a vegetable curry which could ease arthritis. There you go. For all you vegetarians, you're OK. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Coming up with you at 7 o'clock this morning on LBC, Nick Ferrari's here with breakfast. Pretty Patel has resigned. It's that smug little smile, isn't it? Why couldn't she get the bus from Downing Street? Because it was a paid-for car. She's resigned as International Development Secretary. She flew back to the UK from Kenya. Did Theresa May miss an opportunity by not sacking her before she quit? Today marks one year since the Croydon tram crash, which claimed seven lives. Nick will hear from a man who hasn't worked since the accident. Plus, with the possibility that Mrs May might have to sack Boris Johnson and others from the Cabinet, 
Nick will speak to the expert on firing people to find out how best to do it. Hear what Lord Sugar makes of the government's current difficulties. That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 on LBC. I can't watch The Apprentice anymore. I've had to stop watching it. The people are too stupid. They really are. They are almost dumber than five-year-olds on there. They're just too embarrassing. They can't do anything. They don't know anything. Alan Sugar, I should imagine, must be throwing his hands up and going... Where do they find these? Is there an agency for stupid people? And the answer is probably yes, and they're probably all in it. Uh, Steve, have they banned the game Twister yet? No, that'll... Uh, coming up... I shouldn't imagine you better buy it, actually. Or Jenga. And also, I'm not even sure about Swing Ball. I don't think we should be allowed to have Swing Ball in the garden or anything like that. Or failing that, I, I think they're going to have to ban the relay race because there's a bit of contact touching there, especially if you're in the pool swimming, you know what I'm saying? And strip poker, I mean, straight to prison. Do not pass go. Do not collect £200. You know, that's just out the window completely. So anybody who plays poker and it involves taking your clothes off, that's out the window. Uh, Any of those sort of naughty... We have to close down all of those naughty shops selling strange items which people use that... Can't talk about it. But uh, you'll find it with Lucy Beresford. I can't listen to that one either. That just depresses me beyond belief. I've suddenly realised everybody else is is getting action. And uh, poor old Steve Allen's here at... Four o'clock in the morning. There's very little action in Leicester Square, let me tell you. Unless I want to go to the Christmas market, but that's not even open at this time of the morning. Uh, Ken Dodd at 90. Happy birthday to Ken Dodd. He's still going. He's, you know, what is the secret? God knows, going on stage. Uh, Paddington speaking. Peru, Spanish, surely, says Mag. Well, they have to thought. You have to go with the flow. It's only pretend, OK? I mean, really, you know, a quesadilla. You know, he's, he's going to be say, my name is Alves. Uh, Alves, you know, this is, this is what I look like after all this surgery. And I look like Paddington. He's got to jump on there. Uh, Steve, isn't it amazing how fast the media have gone on a celeb hunt just when their owners, MPs and Trump, are under suspicion of sexual abuse, profiteering and tax dodging, says Dave. Yes, well, <laughs> try not to think. It's also quiet season. They've got nothing else to write about. Seriously, I mean, this is like a godsend. They can't get enough of this. They can't get enough of celebrities who have sort of, you know, fallen off the wagon or, you know, ex-celebrities. I mean, the whole thing is bad. John the cabbie from South London says there are Roman baths in Surrey Street off the Strand. No, I I, I don't want to burst your bubble on that one. They're fake, unfortunately. I knew about these years ago. I've seen them loads of times. You push a button on the side and it lights up and it looks like a Roman bath. It's a Victorian fake. I'm afraid. And I know that people point it out. You can find it. It's down, it's down, as you say, it's down on Surrey Street, which is you come off the Strand as if you're heading down to Fleet Street and you go down there and it's just over on the... I've been there loads of times. I remember I used to say to people, look, original Roman baths. And somebody said, it's a fake. You wouldn't just have one Roman bath sitting there by itself. There'd be a huge complex of it, but there isn't. And uh, it's... You have to check it out on the internet. It tells you it's a fake. Which I find terribly disappointing because I always want to find things. Now we've got a temple... Uh, underneath the Bloomberg building. We've got the uh, the amphitheatre. I was really hoping that somewhere buried underground, like they found, you know, the Rose Theatre, I would like them to find a huge, huge amphitheatre, you know, where they dig down and they go, this is enormous. This thing's... But, of course, you're never going to... The only place you're going to find it is in Rome. It's only because it's probably above ground. But nothing under the ground for us here, apart from a few little bits and pieces. And as we dig up London... Can't be many things to dig up, can they? But they found all sorts of things. They found treasure and they found this temple, which used to have sacrifices. But the, And I don't know what sort of sacrifices. I don't know if they were the human sacrifices or if they were um, or if they were animal sacrifices. They, they did a thing the other day. I think they were in, they might have been in Peru. 
And they found this... Well, they didn't. It's always been there. It's like a, a, a city. And they've got these temples with all these steps that go up. And, you know, some of them are still there in, in Peru. And to me, I just feel ill because I think... Just imagine you turn around and look backwards and then felt, oh, God, I couldn't even better. In fact, I've gone completely paranoid now thinking about steps and height because I don't do stuff like that. Uh, and they used to do um, they used to do human sacrifices on the top of these to the gods. They thought that appeased the gods. Load of old codswallop, of course. It didn't do anything at all. And, and then they find all these bodies buried in this tomb. And they worked out because they then have these experts who can come in and say, well, actually, this person died from... And in many of the cases, it was a blow to the head which killed them. And then the head was taken off. Now, whether or not that was part of the the ritual, I've got no idea. But they find all these things and then they they put (coughs) basically people back together again to show you what happened. And uh, I'm I'm fascinated by history, but I'd rather find buildings. I'm not too uh, not too good with finding, you know, when they find a cemetery in London, they go, oh, this is a cemetery from the. 12th century or the 15th century or something like that. I was like, oh no, no, they must have relatives, these people. And uh, then they, what did they find down in, in one part of it? They found a pet cemetery, a Victorian pet cemetery. The Victorians treated their pets when they died better than they treated some of their, uh, some of their human friends. So there you go, you live and learn in London. They're always uncovering something. There's always something to uncover, there's always something to, uh, to see. But I quite like the idea of going to see this this Roman temple in London, but don't expect you're going to see big columns or anything like that. It's a bit, it's a bit disappointing. So use your imagination and, uh, and just think that there's more stuff under your feet than you could ever shake a stick at. Uh, vegetable prices going up. Well, they will do. There'll be the usual stories about, oh, better get your sprouts in for Christmas, better get your potatoes in and get all the stuff. Because you can get it in now, can't you? And you could probably do it and freeze the stuff. And then come Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, you get it all out and everything's all perfect. Uh, also, um, Paddington 2, the film, getting such rave reviews, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, incredible reviews, far better than they could probably ever imagine. Everybody says it's the best Paddington film ever, and there's one more to come. One more to come, so I shall then have to go out and buy the blooming box set. I've got the first one. Can't wait to get the second one. Also, the fury in the papers today is the family of the Labour minister who committed suicide say they told the party that he was fragile. Uh, also, we've got uh, our own Northern Lights in Britain, which is lovely. Weatherfield, the murder count in Weatherfield, the fictitious place where Corrie is set, hits 23. The producers say, well, that's what we have to do. So they've, they've had 23 deaths, murders. Not so good. England and Germany will wear poppies for the Wembley clash. Can't even believe we're even talking about things like that. And Dragon's Den. I'm, I, I'm not going to have enough time to get round to that story later on today, but I'm, I might get round to it tomorrow. Nicola McLean reliving the story that we saw on television nine years ago. We saw it. Nobody complained about it. We just went, oh, somebody gave her a playful slap on the bottom. You know, it'd been Anne Whittacombe. there had been a court case, I should imagine. Uh, there's a, another little girl dressed up as Barbie. Unfortunately, she's not dressed up as Barbie. It's another mother who's dressed her up as... One of these little beauty pageant girls, which I find slightly creepy. Uh, Also, the the good news, Katie Price has been gagged. Fantastic. Now, unfortunately, not by the courts. That'll probably come later. Uh, This is by the fact... Oh, oh, mouth. Because she's got mouth ulcers, but there you go. And if you want to buy Columbo's coat, it's coming up for sale at an auction. They reckon about 90 grand, which means it'll probably fetch a lot more than that. I would think, because it's Columbo's and he wore it in practically everything. I don't think we ever saw him out of the blooming thing, did we? On very few occasions... Uh, 90,000, I think I'll, I'll take a calculated bet and say that could go for double 
the amount of money because it's it's just famous. And also, he was such a nice person. We like him. The Commons barmaid who says 30 MPs tried to get her into bed. Well, so she says. How are they going to prove that? Going to, is this just badinage over the bar? Or is this, you know, a couple of MPs who've had a few sherbets too many? Uh, the other story that we had as well was the police refusing to search a traveller's site for a nicked caravan. But the owner's already said, it's there. It's there. They said, oh, we were, we were not allowed onto the site. The travellers have said no. I think since when have the police, you know, can you imagine they get to your front door and you go, you're not coming in. They go, we get a search warrant. Unfortunately, in Cambridgeshire, they're obviously a bit slow and backwards at coming forward. They obviously decide to let people get away with things nowadays, which they shouldn't. Michael Bond wrote me a letter, says uh, Anastasia. I was thrilled. I wonder if the letter has a lot of value. No, no, not a lot of value. I mean, as, as much value as, as a letter from anybody. You know, the signature might be worth something. You can find out by going um, onto a website. There is a place in the Strand that buys autographs. But Michael Bond, I should imagine, probably signed quite a few things. So you might not get um, the sort of money you would expect. Even a letter. If you had a letter from Lewis Carroll, that would be worth money. Michael Bond, probably not. Probably not. He was just a, a nice man who wrote super stories. Uh, somebody else says, uh, even if they were to find the great amphitheatre, they'd build over it in the UK. Yeah, but we'd never find it, would we? We'd never be able to find an area that large. But the South Bank, I was led to believe, that was the place of debauchery in London. The, the bear baiting, the prostitutes, you know, the pickpockets, the thieves, everything went on. You wanted to go and buy rough stuff, you know, stuff that you couldn't buy this side. South Bank, that's where you went to, the South Bank. I think it's changed a little bit. Oh, look, who's this very plain-looking girl, airbrushed with it? Oh, it's Ola Jordan. Oh, bless her heart. She's now having to resort to doing sort of nude shots now. Career finished, does it, Ola? Ever since you disappeared off Strictly, it's gone downhill, hasn't it? Her and James, are they still selling dance packages? Oh, God. This picture here, though, she's so airbrushed, she looks a bit... Something the matter with her face. She looks a bit odd. Doesn't quite look right. Uh, also, also, also... Oh, the canteen ladies. They won 25 million. And they've all quit work. They're all very happy. And uh, so Julie, Doreen, Julie, Jean, Louise and Sean have all got about four-point-something... Million. They want to celebrate in Las Vegas. Look out, Vegas. They're on their way. They worked in a hospital canteen. And uh, you enjoy it, girls. It's going to give you the happiest... Of course, we're all really thrilled for you. (laughs) 25 million between that many. But uh, good for them. Good for them. Why not? It's always nice to have a happy story, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Is it showing off... If you buy... Because I don't know. Um, I, I don't have any children. I've got children. Is it showing off if you boast about buying a gold iPad for your daughter, who is six? OK, it's showing off. Everybody decided that. Stephen Gerrard has been blasted for buying an 18-carat rose gold iPad for his daughter, Lordez's sixth birthday. I mean, she's six, for goodness sake. Anyway, the former Liverpool and England star posted a picture of the £1,455 thing. You know, I don't have any problem with what somebody wants to spend, you know, on their children or on their wife or their husband, whoever. I don't really care. Just don't brag about it. That's terrible. But uh, anyway, um, uh, he's, he's plugged it on his Instagram account, which is, uh, which is not so good. And the fans have said, basically, a bit tacky. But there again, he probably is a little bit tacky, isn't he? And do you remember the girl that we talked about earlier on, Laura Plummer? Her solicitor has warned her chances of freedom. This is the girl who tried to smuggle illegal tramadol into Egypt 
She knew exactly what she was doing. She knew she wasn't supposed to be taking it in. Otherwise, you'd have said to your husband, who's already married to another somebody else, you know, how that works. But again, not legal in this country. She's not the brightest penny in the box. Uh, they reckon even if she's cleared, her solicitor has said, you will still spend seven years in jail. It's as simple as that. Uh, she carried these painkillers. Uh, even if she's proven her innocence, she's been warned the chances are slim. 290 banned tramadol. She said they were for her husband, Omar, a local entertainment rep who suffers back pain. Well, you know, wouldn't he just get them from his doctor? Because tramadol is banned over in uh, Egypt. The lawyer, uh, Mohammed Osman, says if she's convicted of deliberately bringing them to sell, she faces the death penalty. I mean, I only laugh because I can't believe that you really would get the death penalty. Or 25 years. If it's believed she brought them for her husband, she will still be jailed. Well, she did. And she's already admitted she brought them for him because he apparently couldn't get hold of them. And I'm thinking, no, because they're illegal. That's why. I mean, he must know. The husband can't be that stupid, can he? Well, I don't know. Managed to snare her. Uh, also, um, Gary says there's no way Katie Price is worth 45 million. I'd guess two max. I wouldn't even go two. Seriously, I mean, it costs money to run cars, insurance, houses, bills and all the rest of it. I mean, she hasn't had a hit anything for ages. You know, I'd like to see her uh, tax bill. As I say, we, we did find an account that uh, had about 50,000 in it, which, um, you know, not really a lot when you consider how much she's been sort of selling herself over the years. But most of the things that she just gets paid a fee, you know, we give you 15,000 quid and you promote you know, a lighter or a swizzle stick or something, you know, anything stupid. And so she does it. The The books sell, but she wouldn't make very much money out of books. You don't make a huge amount selling books unless you're selling in huge volumes. They do sell, but they're not selling in big enough volumes, mainly because she doesn't write them. So that's a bit pretend, isn't it? And the rest of it, she'd, she'd probably get a fee for, on, for being on Loose Women. What would they pay her? Six, seven hundred quid? She's not on every single day, so not a lot of money there. Uh, you've got to, you have to work out over the years what you think she's made money from. You know, believe you me, even selling a lot of calendars, she wouldn't make a huge amount of money. And so that's why I think she then decided to go on the tour. Then she basically said that she was cancelling the tour because of the threats against Harvey. Uh, but what she was really doing, she was going over to Turkey to get her teeth sorted out. So she cancelled the tour. So, you know, if you want to go and buy tickets again for it, well, then fair enough. Seems to run in the family, doesn't it? Peter Andre used to be married to her. He cancelled his tour. Because apparently he was doing his little chick -chick -chick, whatever that programme was, where Peter Andre pretends he can do DIY. But he cancelled the Australian tour. The Australians were very grateful. Very, very grateful. Front pages of the paper. The winner ladies on the front of The Sun. Pretty makes it two in the week. Uh, the uh, Pestminster exclusive. This is some girl who worked as a barman, barmaid, bar person. Uh, down at the uh, House of Westminster. Says 30 MPs tried to get me into bed. Would you do keep a tag? Okay, that's one, two, I don't know how you work that. Patel quits over Israel furor. She walked out looking like she'd never care in the world. So, uh, you know. Fenella Fielding, the 60s icon with scores to settle. Also, boozy boomers. Are your children worried about your drinking? It's on the front page of the Daily Telegraph. Another day, another crisis. Yes, poor old pretty Patel, poor soul. Uh, and also... Um, Police forces ignoring low-priority crimes, obviously like having your caravan necked by a load of travellers. Marks and Spencer's slaughtering sacred cows to pave the way for revival. Archie Norman said M&S was finally facing up to its mistake. Uh, husband and woman jailed in Iran on his fight for justice. OK. Front page of The Times. Is Putin meddling in our politics? 
Um, I don't think so. Fears the government will collapse as Patel quits. She's laughing. She's come out. You know, just been, you know, she sort of quit before they could get rid of her, I'm assuming. She's on her phone. Uh, yes, I can, I, can, I can do the Strictly Dancing on Ice programme, if that's OK. And, and I'm fairly good at baking. Is that OK? Could I do baking? Could you get me a, a job on the baking thing? Yes, yes, I'll sell my story this week. Yes, who will I sell it to? Highest bidder, I should imagine. Who cares? Did you care about Pretty Patel before? No. Suicide victim murdered his girlfriend in acid attack. And um, the other one here, they say that they actually think the government will collapse as Patel quits. Well, it was either a case of quitting or being fired, I should imagine. Uh, 28% for train drivers. Southern Rail, one of Britain's biggest railway lines, may finally be at an end after the drivers have accepted. Thank God. 28% pay rise. Bloody hell. <laughs> I want to drive a train. I want to drive a train. The Guardian this morning. Uh, the PM's turmoil growing as Patel quits. But as I say, she didn't look remotely bothered. Obviously doesn't see the error of her ways. Done one of those silly little letters. Uh, boy 7 gets life-saving replacement skin for his whole body. Fantas- I hope to God it wasn't where I got my skin from. You know, Mine was a skin graft, but uh, his was something completely different. Daily Mirror today. Uh, little Voices. 175,000 abused or suffering children a year try to call Childline but can't get through because demand is now so high. So they've joined forces with the NSPCC for the Christmas fundraising campaign. 175,000 people. That's how bad it's got. Uh, It's pretty shambolic. Rattled PM forced to sack. Well, she didn't sack her at all. She handed in a resignation before. Uh, Pretty sad minister resigns. Didn't look sad coming out in the car. Looked quite happy, actually. Top stars in fresh tax storm and Nicola McLean. Uh, Plus Debbie and Geo, hot to trot. I think that means... They're, they're sort of getting on well together. You know, which is good. Why should... Let's face it. She's worked all her life. She's a professional dancer. Unfortunately, you know, she, she lost Paul. But it doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't matter because she's getting on with it. She's got to make her own way. She's never been shy to work. Debbie's never been shy to work. You ask anybody who knows her. I've, I've known her for a long, long time. And she, she, she goes the extra mile. She really does. Exit smiling pretty with a barbed warning to Mrs May. Something creepy about Pretty Patel. I don't know what it is. Thrown to the wolves, the furious family of the Labour minister found dead after sex claims say we told the party he was fragile. Uh, this is Daily Mail on the front page. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible story because he probably didn't know what was sort of going on half the time. The dinner ladies who've quit. £25 million lotto win. Good for them. Good for them. As I say, nice to have a, a good story, you know. Uh, Steve, a grander show. Loose women, Steve. Starting fee. Used to laugh. To, no, they all get different. I can tell you that for a fact because I know. A, well, anyway, let's just say I know. Uh, but no, they they don't get a grand a show. Some of them they get much cheaper than that. Much cheaper, mind you. I know one one particular guest who could eclipse even their fee, but I can't tell you anything more about that. Uh, superfood diet beats arthritis. Blueberries and ginger help to fight the. There you go. That's what you've got to get from the green grocer today. Ginger, fresh ginger. Comes in from China and you break off a piece. You just take the piece you want. It's not very expensive, actually. And uh, and blueberries. It sounds quite a nice combination, doesn't it? Ginger and blueberries. I still want blackcurrant jam. I've decided we were talking earlier on when you download this programme, which you will be, or streaming it, then you will find out why cream teas are so important to the stability of this country. And you have to decide which side of the fence you're on. Do you put the jam and then the cream on top or do you put the cream and the jam. So already on this programme, there's a bit of a, a bit of a, 
bit of a contretemps because the producer puts the cream on and then the jam on the top, whereas I put the jam on first and then the cream on. So, you know, we're never going to see eye to eye on that one. Uh, it's not a laughing minister, Pretty Patel, forced to resign. No, she did resign. I mean, she had to resign anyway. I mean, quite clearly, not the brightest penny in the uh, in the box. But she doesn't look at all unhappy, as I say, because they've, perhaps they're going to send her out to the jungle for I'm a celebrity. Perhaps she'll do what some of these other people do. Some of these other MPs. We've had MPs going out there. Nadine Dorries went out there, didn't she? That annoyed me as well. I get annoyed about these people going out there. I think, what for? What are you going out there? You have no interest to anybody. What's it? Sorry, and... And we're actually paying them as well. I can't tell you, Charlie Girling. I can't. I'm not. My lips are sealed. Mm-hmm. See, I'm like Katie Price. Look at the time. I've got to go. I've got to go. Things to do. People to see. Pots to scrub. Cakes to bake. Ice skating to rehearse. Uh, another reason to download the LBC iPhone app, as well as listening to LBC wherever you are. You can now listen back to this and all of our other programmes for free on the new catch-up feature. You just download the new LBC iPhone app. It's on lbc.co.uk. Click on catch-up at the bottom. Job done. Coming up at 10, featuring its Christmas advert hour from midday. James O'Brien, the flim-flam man. But next, with breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.